1.2.7 Windows M, Desktop, Folder VM, Microsoft M, My Conference M, My Documents, Enter. Documents, Chris F, Wibber McGee, Enter, Wibber 1942-1941-1942-1943-Wibber-McGee-49-09-1315th Anniversary Program. Unloading job, cancel, OK, but enter. Unread messages, Ron Bob, Carol Lynch, Martin Grant, Ed Kluth, Patricia from F, Bill Bragg, enter, Bill Bragg. Unloading Jaws. Quit Jaws dialogue. Are you sure you want to quit Jaws? Press enter to quit now or escape to cancel. Okay, enter. My darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue sky Alright everybody, we're here Saturday night, October 1, year 2016 I'm Walton Hughes just got home from picking up dinner, been at Janet Waddle's memorial service, and we're going to play a favorite McGee and Molly show. That way I can eat dinner, I can change clothes, and so we enjoy the show, the, the one hour special from September 13, 1949, and then Patricia and I will catch everybody up when we get back on in an hour. So, let's share a perfect. Dear Lord, thank you the opportunity of being here. Thank you for the life of Janet Waddle. Bless her family as we celebrated her life today. That helped the needy, the poor, and the hungry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright everybody, we'll be back in an hour. The Martin and Lewis Show have relinquished their time in order that we might bring you the special program which follows. Martin and Lewis will be heard on Friday nights at a future date. Check your local radio column for the exact day and time. The Johnson's Wax 15th Anniversary Program with Fibber McGee and Molly.
Tonight, in a special full-hour anniversary broadcast written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, Fibber McGee and Molly come back on the air in the United States and Canada to begin their 15th continuous year of broadcasting under the sponsorship of Johnson's Wax. Naturally, at a time like this, the sponsors of this program look back through the years with gratitude to Fibber and Molly for radio's finest family program. And with even greater gratitude to you millions of friendly listeners. Because it's your appreciation of Fibber and Molly's wholesome radio entertainment and your confidence in Johnson Wax products that have made the programs possible. Fifteen continuous years of broadcasting under the same sponsorship. During the next few weeks, you will see special anniversary displays in the stores of dealers who handle Johnson's Wax products. We hope these displays will remind you that your dealer, too, is responsible for these programs and that it is his support, as well as your own, which makes it possible for the makers of Johnson's Wax to bring you Fibber McGee and Molly. In the year 1935, a new radio program was born. It was reviewed in Variety, the Bible of show business, in part as follows, and I quote, Bit hard to pass on Fibber McGee's first major radio effort. The script limitations hampered the duo from ever getting underway. Commercial talk was handled by Harlow Wilcox, who killed a few quips due to premature laughs. Nary a real out-and-out laugh in the lot. And as it stands, the program demands swifter pacing, punchier lines, and more of Fibber McGee and Molly. Fifteen years. My gosh, it don't seem possible. Fifteen years ago, it didn't even seem probable. (laughs) Boy, the stuff we've done in 15 years. See, do you remember the show back in 1936 when you were a reporter on the paper and went out to get an interview with the governor's wife? Yeah, I got printer's ink in my blood, kiddo. That's why I have to be so careful shaving. Ruins the towels. (laughs) I never did know what happened to that story, McGee. Didn't I ever tell you what happened about that? Uh, That was a wild goose chase. I couldn't get a story. The governor's wife was gone when I got to the house. Out of town, was she? Yeah, she just left. She ran away with a chauffeur. I see. She ran away with the chauffeur, so you didn't get any story. That's right. Just a waste of time. Well, uh, what did the governor have to say about it? Did you talk to him? How could I talk to him? They shot him before they left. Heavenly days. Well, why didn't you get a story from the neighbors? Didn't they have any statements to make? I'll say they didn't. They wouldn't even come out on account of the lion. The lion? Yeah, the one that got away from the circus. Prowling around the neighborhood. He ate two cooks in the garden before I got there. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the breaks. Takes a natural-born reporter to know when a story is out the window because... (laughs) Come in. Well, I'll be a uncle's monkey if it ain't his honor the mayor. <laughs> Hi, Latriv. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. Latriv, as the guy says when he's seen a good windy corner to build his optical shop on, this is a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking very well yourself, McGee. And you too, Molly. Did you have a pleasant summer? Oh, yes, indeed. Thank you. And you? Oh, yes. Yes, I had a very interesting summer. I was an amateur member of a scientific expedition in Colorado. We were searching for dinosaur eggs. Dinosaur eggs, now. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Why, we've known her for years, and she never laid an egg in her life. (laughs) 
Certainly not. She's simply wonderful. I, I don't understand. Who is? Dinah Shore. I'm afraid there's a little misconception here. I was referring to a big, ugly, prehistoric monster. Now, just a darn minute. When you talk about friends of ours, just keep a civil tongue between your teeth. Yes, Dinosaur is not big or ugly or prehistoric. I, or, I, I didn't I, say anything about Dinosaur. I said Dinosaur. It isn't sore, Latrib. It's shore. <laughs> As in shore patrol. And in her case, there'd be a lot of volunteers. <laughs> Go on, trip. Yes, do, Mr. Mayor. Let's give him a chance now, McGee. Okay, we won't interrupt again unless it's necessary, boy. No. So you go right ahead. You betcha. Dull as it is, we want to hear about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now? <laughs> sure. The expedition had heard rumors from wandering cowboys and Indians that dinosaur tracks had been discovered in a certain remote canyon in northern Colorado. You could so have discounted them rumors right off the bat, right? <coughs> that kid don't have to hide up any remote canyon. <laughs> Even to try out a new hillbilly number, she don't. Oh, please, now look. I admit that Dinah Shore is lovely and a fine girl and an excellent singer. I'm not talking about her. Is that understood? No, it isn't. <laughs> Why don't you want to talk about her? You got something against her? You tone deaf or something? We've always considered you one of the greatest gentlemen we know, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. So when you refer to Dinah Shore as an ugly monster and state that she's a million years old and has to hide in the gully to rehearse her number... Yes, and accuse her of laying eggs all over Colorado. <laughs> I didn't say she was a muggly eggster. Well, you said... I mean, I never said anything about Dinah Canyon hiding a hillbilly and... You... <laughs> Because I said I was hoping to look for Dinah Track Shore. You said... You got sore when I... I mean, sore when I... Just because an ugly monster like... I mean, like China Dark. I didn't know what I was... You were the one... It was... It was... You were the... She was all... I McGee... Yes, boy? Is it true that you've been on the air for Johnson's Wax for 15 years? Perfectly true, Your Honor. You've been hearing us all that time, kid? No. Frankly, I couldn't stand you so long. <laughs> you couldn't stand him, what? So long. Oh, I beg your pardon, young lady. I didn't know you were there. Oh, that's all right. Is this the McGee residence? Yes, madam, but mark my words. You won't like it. <laughs> well, here. McGee, look who it is, Dinah Shore. Hi, Dinah. We were just talking about you to Mayor Latrivia. Oh, was that Mayor Latrivia I met going out? That was himself, all right, Dinah. And a very nice man, too. I, I thought he seemed a little annoyed about something. But I just dropped in to congratulate you on the last 15 years and wish you good luck for the next 15. Well, thanks, Dinah. And in honor of you dropping in on our honor, I'm going to lead the band in a special arrangement I wrote personally tonight. It's called Kiss Me Again. Uh, no, gonna... no, McGee, now, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's ask Dinah to sing instead. Would you please, Dinah? Oh, I'd love to, Molly. I've had a nice rest this summer, and I just couldn't wait to get back to work for Oxidol. Where'd you spend the summer, Dinah? Out in Colorado. <laughs> you 
You know, it was a lot of fun taking my music up into some remote canyon and <laughs> practicing some hillbilly numbers. Though, confidentially, I really laid an egg with a couple of them. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what's the matter? Did I say something? Oh, no, no, you're all right, kid. <laughs> it just happens that we owe the trivia an apology. Yes. I guess we do, dearie. Well, go ahead, sing something, won't you please, Dinah? Little girl with no heart, I have found me a wonderful guy. I am in a conventional dither with a conventional star in my eye. And you will note there's a lump in my throat when I speak of my wonderful guy. I'm as tried and as gay as a daisy in May, a cliche coming true. Romantic and bright as a moon Happy night pouring light on the dew I'm as corny as Kansas in August High as a flag on the 4th of July If you'll excuse an expression I use I'm in love If you'll excuse an expression I use, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with a wonderful And that kid sing. Next time the Elks Club throws a smoker, I'm going to see if she'll bat out a few numbers for us. Company, McGee. Come in. For goodness sakes, McGee, look who's here. Huh? Oh, hi, bud. Something you wanted? Hello, Fibber. I'm young. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, we were young once, too, bud. But you spend 15 years on the air and you'll get over that, boy. No, McGee, it's Robert Young, the actor. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Robert Young, him. Bob, old boy, I'm glad to see you. This is my wife, Molly. Molly, this is Robert Young. How do you do, I'm sure. Hello, Molly. I came over to congratulate you two on your anniversary. Fifteen years. Just think of it. Do we have to? <laughs> oh, I think it's wonderful. You know, I've just started with my own show on NBC uh, for Maxwell House Coffee. Oh, yes, we hear you every Thursday. Father knows best. Lots of luck with it, Mr. Young. Thank you, Molly. My, I certainly envy you two having the same show on the same network for 15 years. Well, it does have its compensations, all right. You know, starting today, NBC lets us use the regular employees' washroom. 
Yes, it was a little unhandy going across the street to the filling station to wash our hands. Well, I... I know I have something to look forward to, all right. <laughs> Say, I want you two to know that I heard your very first show, April 16th, 1935. My goodness, McGee, he remembers the exact date. Yes, that was the day I bought my first radio. And yours was the first program I heard. Great. You loved it, of course. Yes, it was a beautiful set. <laughs> I, uh, remember when you got your house, too, 79 Whistle Vista. You won it in a raffle on August 26, 1935. My gosh. How do you remember that date so well? Well, it was right after that show that I sold my radio. <laughs> Boy, I'd almost forgot that show. Remember, Molly? Oh, indeed I do. They called the lucky number on the house. I shouted, McGee, we won. You fainted, and the orchestra played zing with the strings of my heart. That's the way it went, all right. It was pretty easy to solve your housing problems in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was pretty easy to finish a radio show, too. If you didn't have a joke to finish with, just throw in a groan, a body fall, and a band number. <laughs> That's right. And you know something? There are times even now, long toward the end of certain programs, where I begin to feel a little like falling down. Well, I can believe it, Bibbert. But after 15 years, brother, you've certainly earned your smelling salts. Lots of luck with the next 15. Good night to both of you. Good Thanks, night, Robert. Robert. Heavenly days. Imagine Robert Young coming to see us. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it pays a guy like Bob to keep in touch with influential friends like me, kiddo. <laughs> hey, I wonder if this would be a good time to run over that Kiss Me Again number that I arranged for No, now, wait, talk. McGee. There's somebody coming up the walk. Who is it? Search me. The girl looks familiar, but the man. Do we know a tall, dark man with curly hair and a bold look? I don't know. Has he got a deep freeze under his arm? It might be our congressman. <laughs> Or maybe it might... Uh, easy, dearie. Here they are. Oh. Come in. Hey. <laughs> it's Alice Faye. Hi, Alice. Hello, Alice. Hello, Molly. Hello, Fibber. I'm Harris. <laughs> well, hi, Harris. We don't need any tweeds today, so you better... I'm uh... Phil Harris. Oh. <laughs> Why, of course. You're married to Miss Faye. You're on her radio show Sunday night. <laughs> Say, you start again next Sunday, don't you? Now you've struck a nerve, Doc. <laughs> Phil Harris, a Sunday night flash. It may not be Hamlet, but it keeps him off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harris, that layoff did wonders for you. Let me talk a while, <laughs> Mary Livingston for 13 years, now I got you. You're stuck with me. All right, come on in. Well, gee whiz, I can't help it if my voice is full of residents. Molly, we just stopped by to give you our best wishes on your 15th anniversary. And that's a long time on anybody's program. It's a longer time to be off a program. Anything personal in that remark, short stuff? What do you think? I don't think there is. <laughs> I've been gainfully employed right along. Gainfully employed, that means I've been working regular. They know what it means, Phil. 
say, uh, Alice, won't you sign our guest book while you're here? Oh, I'd be glad. Now, wait a minute, Alice. Just hold it a minute now. You promised me you'd sign nothing till I looked it over. <laughs> but, Phil, it takes you so long to read things. This is, uh, this is just a guest book, Phil. See? Look. Well, hand it here a minute. Uh-huh. I thought so. What's this word here? Book. <laughs> And the other word is guest. Well, all right, all right. Go ahead, sign it, Alice, but leave a lot of room for me. I print big. Here's a pen, Alice. Thank you, Molly. So you kids been in the killer circles for 15 anims, huh? <laughs> Gee whiz, that's great. Well, we will be one of these years. You know, Rexall is pretty happy with us. <laughs> What makes you say that, Phil? I heard him talking, baby. I heard one of the executives say they better hang on to Harris. He said I was the only drug on the market they wasn't already handling. Well, so long. Isn't this exciting, McGee? All these famous stars dropping in to see us. Yeah. And hasn't that Alice Faye beautiful hair? Oh, lovely. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she touches it up a bit. Yeah. It's a beautiful blonde shade, though. Oh? Hi, kids. Congratulations. Well, my gosh. Perry Como. Hi, Fibrin. How are you, Molly? Oh, wonderful, Perry. It's so nice to see you again. Yeah, we haven't seen you since you left Wistful Vista around 1937. How are you making out, boy? Still singing? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm still at it. Why, of course he is, McGee. Why, Perry is... Great, wonderful. boy, great. Still with Ted Weems, are you? <laughs> you stick with it, son, and one of these days you'll be in the big time. Making records or even singing on your own show, maybe. Well, thanks a lot, Fibber. As a matter of fact, I do have a little show on Thursday nights now on NBC, the uh, Chesterfield Supper Club. Oh, swell. We'll come over there and eat with you some night. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't stop in to tell you about that, Fibber. I just came over to congratulate you both on your very long and happy career. Well, thank you, Perry. And to sing a song. And Fibber, this is a bit on the sentimental side, so... You mind getting a little closer to Molly and hold her hand? Sure. Just make like you were saying this to her yourself, hmm? Okay. Good boy. Give me your hand let me be ever near And let us wander Together through the years Give me your faith I vow that I'll be true Doubt must ever touch my love for you. Give me your heart. 
Beautiful. You know, McGee, some of our old friends and neighbors have become pretty famous since they left Wistful Vista. I'll say. I don't claim all the credit for it, of course, but <laughs> I always made it a point to set an example for my neighbors. Yeah, and they made a point of ignoring it. <laughs> now, you take the water commissioner of Summerfield, for instance, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Hmm. You take him. I never could. <laughs> well, you know, he has a very funny show on NBC Wednesday nights for Kraft's Foods. Yeah. <laughs> Say, do you remember the time you and he climbed into the bathtub with your clothes on? Yeah. You mean the time I found the watch downtown? That was it. It was in 1940, I believe. We tried to find the... Well, nobody's claimed this watch so far, Molly. Looks like it's mine, all right. Not for 30 days, McGee. After all, you... McGee, stop tapping on the crystal. Oh, this don't hurt it. It's an unbustable crystal. So... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd have swore this crystal was unbustable. I don't see why it won't. Oh, there, little chum. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Well, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Gildersleeve, come right in. Oh, thank you. What's the idea of busting right in the door, you unmannerly oaf? Why don't you ring the doorbell? Because this is from a 1940 script, sonny boy, and that door chime didn't appear in your show till 1941. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I can't talk to you right now, Gildy. I'm fixing a valuable watch. Well, what's this I hear about you finding a valuable watch, McGee? Oh, indeed we did at 14th and Oak this morning. A new watch, gift-wrapped and everything. Well. We've been advertising for the owner all day. Show it to him, dearie. See, Gildy? Hmm. Crystal's broken. 
Hey, look, McGee, one of the hands is bent. It is? Which one? The second hand. Second hand from the right or the second hand from the left? <laughs> Just the second hand, you dumbbell. That little tiny hand. Oh. Here, let me straighten it out. I've got a steadier hand than you have. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Your hand shakes like a grass skirt at a stag party. <laughs> I'll do this myself. Lend me your boy Scott knife. I always was a whiz at fixing watches. McGee is part Swiss, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, he is? Yes. Why don't you use him to bait a mouse trap with? <laughs> Can't you see I'm doing a delicate job here? Wait a minute, McGee. This is no place to do a job like that. Let's take it out on the dining room table so you can keep track of the parts. Good idea. Look, boys, if you're afraid of losing part of the works, why don't you go sit in the bathtub and take it apart? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Silly idea. It is not a silly idea. It is, too. It is not. Quit arguing with my wife, Gildersleeve. She says to go sit in the bathtub. That's where we'll go sit in. Open the door. All right. This ought to be fun, all right. Yeah, now, now climb in, Gildy. That's it. You sit in the front, will you? Makes me dizzy to ride backwards. <laughs> All right, here's the watch and the Boy Scout knife and two hairpins. <laughs> Have fun now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, McGee, I hope to goodness this isn't a violation of the Taft-Hartley Act. What you mean, Gilly? Well, laying off the hands and closing down the works without two weeks' notice. <laughs> You get it, folks? I said... It ain't funny, McGee. I didn't say it. You would have if you'd have thought of it first. Now, let's see. I take this thing here and... Whoop! Oh. <laughs> What's this? Search me. All I done was pry up on the face of it. How? Like this. I just... Whoop! Oh, that rat, that dead rat. Heavenly days, that beautiful watch. You know, I haven't seen so many flying springs since they blew up the mattress factory. <laughs> Isn't this fun, though? Yeah. Quit jiggling, Gildersleeve, and get your foot out of my pocket. <laughs> now, let's see. If I unscrew this little... <laughs> you know, I'm certainly glad this isn't my watch, McGee. Yeah, you know what I've been doing wrong, Gildersleeve? Huh? We've been starting on the wrong side. We ought to took the back off first. Oh, good. Let's try that. Yeah. I love to see the springs jump out. <laughs> Here, Molly, you hold the back cover, will you? Certainly. I'd get in there with you, boys, but it looks a bit crowded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heavenly days, McGee. What's the matter? Look, there's an inscription inside the back here. What? There is? Imagine that. What's the poor sap's name? Listen, the inscription says, Happy New Year from the boys at the factory to our beloved boss, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Oh! <laughs> In 1937, Mr. William Randolph or Billy Mills of Flint, Michigan, picked up a little stick and started directing the music for these Tuesday nights. Put the blame where you like for these 15 years. Here's one man who'll face whatever music there is. And right now, it's so in love.
River and Molly and their guests return in just a moment, so stay tuned to your NBC station for the second half of our 15th anniversary program. This is the 15th anniversary of Fibber McGee and Molly on NBC for Johnson's Wax. In 15 years, they have acquired some bitter critics and a lot of enthusiastic listeners. Among the latter is a beautiful, distinguished, and beloved lady of motion pictures. She and the McGees have been each other's devoted fans for many years. I would now like to call to order the Fibber McGee and Molly Irene Dunn Mutual Admiration Society. Miss Irene Dunn. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Wilcox was quite right in saying that I've always been an ardent Fibber, McGee, and Molly listener. Maybe not for their entire 15 years, but for quite a few of them. I like their program, not only for myself, but for the fact that I know my family, my friends, especially my little friends, can listen to it regularly without the slightest fear of anything offensive being said. To my knowledge, Fibber and Molly have never abused the privilege of using our good American air when they visit us in our homes. Congratulations, Molly, and to you too, Fibber. Well, thanks, sis. Yes. Thank you, Miss Dunn. Those are awfully kind words. Well, I mean every one of them. You know, I suppose everybody has a favorite character on your program, Molly, and... I think my favorite is the little girl who lives down the street, Teeny. Is she here tonight? No. No, she couldn't come, I bet you. Because... <laughs> I mean, she couldn't come, Miss Dunn. <laughs> there wasn't room on the program for her tonight. Oh, well, well, she's my pet, Molly, and I hope that little girl never grows up. Thank you, Miss Dunn. I hope she doesn't either. But if she ever does, I hope she'll be just like you. Well, come and see us again sometime, sis. Thanks, bud. Good night. <laughs> Nice kid. Hey, Molly, I think I'll take that band through that special arrangement of Kiss Me Again now that I wrote for tonight. Right now, before somebody else drops hey, hey, in. Hey, hey, hold it a minute, will you, pal? Oh, this dear. is the time of night when I usually slip in with a brief message about the product. Oh, the product. Uh, okay, Junior, to show you my heart's in the right place, I'll even help you. No, 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 thanks, pal. Let me handle it by myself this week. You think you can? You mean, do I think I can? Look, pal, you can learn quite a bit about selling in 15 years. Yes, you can. But did you? <laughs> Well, I think so. Why, when I started on this show, I had no confidence at all. Really, Mr. Wilcox, heavenly days, and you always seem so confident. No, I was just a bluff, Molly. Well, I used to come out and say something like, we all know how particular a woman can be about her house. Well, that's a fairly safe statement, Junior. Well, that's what I mean, no dynamics. Oh. Gee whiz, anybody can step up to a mic and say, millions of women have tested glow coat in their own homes and have found nothing else that gives them quite the same brilliant results with so little effort. Is Johnson's glow coat? Yeah, but what I was getting at but is... now, now I have confidence. I've had experience. <laughs> and I have the knowledge that what I'm saying is the gospel truth. So I walk right out and say in a firm voice, actually, glow coat takes all the hard work out of keeping linoleum and varnished wood floors bright and beautiful. Yeah, but we were just about I know to that say when that... I say it's self-polishing, spread it on, let it dry, watch it shine, has the ring of truth. The ring of truth, he says. It has the clang of... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> 
and, and look, most important is the shine you get with the new glow coat. Almost twice as bright now as before, without polishing. Ask for it tomorrow at your dealer's. I see how confident that sounds, pal. You see how yeah, waxy, experience. Uh, hey, waxy. Oh, well, I was just explaining what I've learned in 15 years. What have you learned? Not a thing, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> we had. We'd never tried to butt in after you once get started. <laughs> That's like a caterpillar standing on the tracks trying to stop the 20th Century Limited with a pedal off a geranium. <laughs> Where are you going, Junior? Uh, over to the mic. I've got an announcement to make. Excuse oh. me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in about 1937, there was a young boy in New York going to Manhattan College. He was a shy, breathless lad. Well, not too breathless. He had enough breath to sing, and he sang very well. In fact, he sang so well that he got a job on a top radio show. He also turned out to be quite a famous comedian with a Saturday night show of his own. This new day that dawned was named Dennis. Dennis Day, Palm Olive's singing star. And here he is. It's wonderful of you to come over and see us. Yeah, much obliged, kid. Oh, that's all right, folks. Anyway, it wasn't my idea. NBC suggested I do it or else. <laughs> or else what? Well, they didn't say, but the suggestion was written on a pink slip. <laughs> well, what shall I do? Oh, just say that we've been wonderful for 15 years and you never missed a show we ever did and you certainly wish us many happy more years for Johnson's Wax, something like that. Oh, no jokes? <laughs> Certainly we have some jokes for you, Dennis. McGee, show Dennis the jokes. Here, kid. Handle them easy there, dynamite. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, congratulations, folks. You've been wonderful for 15 years, and I never missed a show you ever did, and I certainly wish you many more happy years on the air for... for... for whom? Johnson's whack. Yeah, good night. Now... Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Wait a minute. You didn't read the stuff we wrote for you. Well, I wanted to take it with me. I never had any material like this before. Yeah? You know, I have my own show on Saturday night over NBC for Colgate. Yeah? I can use this stuff. This is just what I need. Oh, we're very glad you like it, Dennis. Yeah, yeah on my show, everybody laughs all the time, and you can't hear the lines. Oh. I need stuff like this to quiet everybody down. <laughs> well, thanks. Hey, hey. You mean you're not even going to sing? Well, you want me to sing, too? What do you mean, too? What do you mean, too? What else have you done? Now, McGee. <laughs> That's no way to talk to a guest who was nice enough to drop in and wish us well. It was my idea. NBC suggested... Yeah, I... yeah. <laughs> Look, kid. How'd you like to sing one of Molly's favorites? I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Uh, I'd love that, Dennis. Will you do it? Sure, and this is because I want to, not because NBC... Yeah, 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 yeah. We know. Go ahead, son, and thanks very much. Thank you. I hope you like it, Molly.
W.W. have had great significance. World War I and World War II, Woodrow Wilson, Walter Winchell, Willie the Weeper. Then in about 1941, a new name, another W.W., tottered across the wistful vista horizon. Wallace Wimple was the name, and he came in like this. Come in. Well, I'll be... It's Wally Wimple. Hi, Wimp. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. Just in time, Wimp. This is our 15th anniversary on NBC for Johnson's Wax, and I got a musical arrangement of Kiss Me Again I made, and I thought I'd have the... Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. McGee, but I simply won't have time. Oh, that's too bad, Wimp. Mm Mm-hmm. I just came in to congratulate you. In fact, I was walking through the woods with my bird book. Your what, Wimp? My bird book. (laughs) Somebody told me they'd seen a big-billed, blue-breasted Brazilian bond booby lake and as i was walking along an idea for a poem came to me a poem went yes about your 15th anniversary would you like to hear it i can do it from memory a cappella, as it were oh, we'd love to hear it mr wimple all righty it goes <clears throat> here's luck to mr and mrs mcgee for their 15 years on nbc For their homely philosophy and wholesome cracks about this and that and Johnson's Wax. We all enjoy this Tuesday nighter because it makes our homes and lives much brighter. Since 1935, Anno Domini, you've improved your corn till it tastes like harmony. little man, McGee. Say he didn't mention Mrs. Wimple. I wonder if... Sweetie Face, he probably feels like my mother did when I was a little kid. She used to look at me and say, I hate to bring this up. But anyhow... (laughs) It's your turn to say, come in, McGee. I got the last... Okay, kiddo, relax. I'm rested. Come in. Is this the residence of Fibber McGee and Molly? Yes, it is. What can we do for you, bud? Well, my name is Bendix. Not William Bendix. Yes, it is, McGee. Bill, old man, nice of you to drop in. I suppose you bring a message of greetings and good cheer on our 15th anniversary. 
Well, let us just say that I bring a message. What do you mean? What do you mean, Mr. Bendy? Well, look, you're nice folks, and I don't want to get tough, but here's the situation. You've been on the air for 15 years for one sponsor. Yep, and by increasing his business by 72 million, nine hundred... Ah, McGee. Go on, Mr. Bendix. So you've been happy with one sponsor. You've been happy with just one network. No skipping around. You sit around all week. Saturday, you say, let's do another show next Tuesday. And Tuesday, you do it. And you sit around the rest of the week again. Look, bud, this may all be true, but if so, what of it? What a revolting development this is. <laughs> Look, who's leading the life of Riley, me or you? Ah, heavenly days were infringing. <laughs> well, there's no hard feelings. I was just confused. I only hope I can do it myself for Pabst Blue Ribbon on Friday nights. So congratulations and good luck. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. that our next guest would not be here to extend hearty congratulations to his good friends, Fibber McGee and Molly. But late this afternoon, the Johnson Wax Company met his price. And it is now my pleasure to present the palest part of the pale face, the sorrowful part of Sorrowful Jones, the detour of the road pictures, Bob Hope! Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, ushers. Uh, thank you, Harlow. <laughs> Harlow, don't you love that name? I had a name called one announcement called Wendell one time. Where do you get those names off? Old Pullman cars, huh? <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. Very loyal, though. What other announcer would glow coat his head for 15 years? That's... <laughs> but how do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob still on the big network, Hope. <laughs> we better stick together. There's only a few of us left, you know. Telling all you listeners, if you're ever tired of using Johnson's wax in your kitchen floor, you'll always find me behind your bathroom door. <laughs> yes, sir, Swan and Pepsi, and 12 years in radio, and still can't make the living room. <laughs> up, up until lately, we've had two kinds of radio, FM and AM. I never knew until the night that I met Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> 15 years, a long time with one sponsor. I only know one other comic who's had the air that long, my cousin Bert, who operates a skirt-blowing machine in the Fun House at Coney Island. <laughs> 22 years of it, never had a slack season. <laughs> I'll be back in the air next Tuesday in spite of my sponsor. I had more trouble getting someone to say yes than Vice President Barkley. You know Mr. Barkley, the Louise Jordan of the Capitol. You know him. I think he'd be all right. You know, I saw him having tea with Dorothy Dix a little while ago. And I'm thinking of going into television as soon as I save enough to pay the plastic surgeon. <laughs> Just a throwaway. I should have thrown it away outside. You know, Crosby's going on television when they get the wider screen. Uh... Crosby, that's a six-letter word, meaning when the blue of the night turns to gold in his pocket. <laughs> but television is everywhere. Now some cocktail bars have even put in ushers. They ask you how far down you want to go and how high you want to get. <laughs> One bartender yelled out the other night, will the lady in front please remove the foam off her beer? <laughs> I watched a baseball game on television the other night. Every time the runner would try to steal second, Milton Burrow would beat him to it. 
They're better this way. Thank you. And television is liable to ruin the Lone Ranger. Wait until the kids find out the silver is just two coconut shells in the hands of an ex-Harvard man. But we'll pass that bridge when we come to it, as they used to make me say for Pepsi. And seriously, Fibber and Molly, I do congratulate you on your 15 years with Johnson's Wax and NBC. It's nice work if you can get it, and you got it. Thank you, Mr. Hall. Thank you, Robert. Drop around any week, and we'll split a Tuesday with you. Well, give me a couple of days to read the fine print, Fibber, and I'll sign that. Good luck to you both, and may you continue to keep them grinning from year to year. Thank you, Robert. Thanks, Bob. Well, there ought to be a big fat word said right here about four men who joined this program in about the year 1940. They've made a solid name for themselves, both with us and with the work they've done in Walt Disney's wonderful pictures. One of the nation's top singing groups who have further distinguished themselves by presenting a series of fine musical programs this summer for Johnson's Wax during Fibber and Molly's absence. Here they are, America's four most singers, the King's Men. Back in 1927, Vaudeville was in its heaven. Everyone was frivolous and gay. At the palace or the folly, you could see McGee and Molly batting out their seven shows a day. Here tonight, we'd like to bring some of the songs they used to sing. I'm always chasing Still on the air, doing their acts, 
selling their wax. Give them a cheer for many more years. King's men, wonderful, McGee. Yeah, but if I'd have had my way, they'd have played my number in that spot. My Kiss Me Again number, the one I made the arrangement for. You know the part where I take Dakota and run an arpeggio up to a glissandimo? Then I let the trumpets take the vibrato and slap into a brassy fortissimo? You know that part? No, Neither but I. I always say if you can't whistle it, it'll never be popular. Well, this arrangement of mine is... Come in. For goodness sakes, McGee, it's Oli, the janitor from the Elks Club. Hello, Oli. It's nice to see you. Well, hello, missus. Hi, Oli. Hello, McGee. I used to pass by and I see the commotion. That's gone wrong. No, nothing's wrong, Oli. We're just celebrating an anniversary. Well, congratulations, missus. How long you're married? Uh, 31 years, but this ain't for that. I mean, that ain't what we're celebrating. This is on account of we've been on the air for Johnson's Wax for 15 years. Consecutive. Oh, that's too bad, McGee. Too bad? Well, why is it too bad, Oli? Well, wasting all those years. I know all about it. Every Tuesday night, we listen to Johnson's Wax on the network. Mm -hmm. For 15 years, every Tuesday night. Yeah. My Christina, she's 14 years old. Mm -hmm. You was on the air before she was born. She thinks you're a kind of a national institution, like Grand Canyon, Redwood Trees, and Yin Lomi. <laughs> Well, if you've listened every Tuesday night all these years, you've really accounted for a few hours. Well, that's all right, McGee. I, I have to listen anyway because my wife listens and we only got one radio. Oh, I see. <laughs> so every Tuesday night for a half hour, I know I'm just donating my time. So long, McGee. Good night. <laughs> When the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program was young, say about 1936, a versatile youth named Bill Thompson joined the cast as a sort of utility actor. In his non-professional hours, he is well known as a fighter against juvenile delinquency. Although on the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program, he himself goes under many an alias. He's been variously known as Nick DePopolis, Horatio K. Boomer, Pravda, Flanagan the Cop, Wallace Wimple, and not the least, but one of the first, as the old-timer. Hello there, kids. Hi, daughter. Hi, Johnny. Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. It's nice to see you again. Hi, Oldtimer. What you been doing? Well, I was just downtown, Johnny, to see Doc Gamble. But he was out on a call. Oh. oh. Are you ill, Mr. Oldtimer? Well, don't feel so good, daughter. I got myself a cold. Well, you better take some medicine for it, Mr. Oldtimer. A cold is not to be sneezed at, you know. <laughs> well, I got me a jug of Grandma's private remedy for it, daughter. Recipe has been in our family for generations. Handed down from mother to daughter, daughter to daughter, daughter to son, son to uncle, uncle to sister, sister to cousin, cousin to aunt, aunt to nephew, and nephew gave it back to grandma who was so sick of hearing about it, the darn thing, she tore it up. <laughs> How'd you ever catch a cold in this weather, old timer? I didn't, Johnny. I caught it last winter out at Dugan's Lake. Yeah? Me and Papa chopped a hole in the ice, and I did me a little fishing. Yeah? What'd you fish for? Papa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta run along, kids. I'm gonna see a friend of mine this afternoon. Gonna be his pallbearer. Pallbearer? Oh, heavenly days. What happened? 
Well, he was an inventor, daughter. Invented himself a novelty necktie out of rawhide. Yeah. Went out in the rain with it. Son come out later, dried the rawhide, and strangled him. <laughs> we seen him getting red in the face and pointing to the necktie, but we thought he was blushing and asking our opinion of it. <laughs> we just stood there smiling and nodding at him till poor feller was gone, and so am I. So long. <laughs> Dad, granted, if we can have a few minutes' peace and quiet, I'm going to run the band through my Kiss Me Again arrangement. I better hurry before we get interrupted again. Well, you go ahead, dearie. I'll hold my ears. I mean, I'll hold the door. And you sit right there and relax, Snooky. The boys and I'll make musical history with this thing. Are you ready, fellas? Okay. A one, and a two, and a three, and a... Kiddo, was it sharp and clear? Was it distinct? Yes, it certainly did. <laughs> McGee, where in the world did you learn so much about music? Oh, me? I studied music for years, Molly, with some great teachers, too. Oh? Why, when I was just a kid, I studied piano for a long, long time under the famous Professor Ware. Oh? Long underwear McGee, I was known as. <laughs> Long underwear McGee, the mighty mucky-muck of the metronome, making mugs of mediocre musical mutts, muddling through a monotonous mess of medleys, making millions marvel at the minor melodies made out into magnificent masterpieces by the miraculous movements of my magic mitts, miffing many a maestro as I modulated from March military into minuet and G, and that's the story of Long Underwear McGee after 15 years on NBC. Bong, bong, bong. <laughs> Fifteen years is a long time in radio, but it's a short time in the history of Johnson Waxes and Polishes, for it has been over 60 years since the name Johnson's was first associated with the wax products, which have since brought new brightness, new freedom from household drudgery to more than three generations of homemakers. During that time, Johnson's Waxes have grown in popularity to the point that today they far outsell any other brand of wax products. The makers of Johnson's Waxes look upon your preference for their products as a trust that they deeply appreciate and intend to keep. So you can be sure that every Johnson product today is the finest the leading manufacturer of waxes and polishes knows how to produce. And you can be sure also that the Johnson's Wax Laboratories will never cease in their efforts to improve these fine products so that you may always find the best wax polishes in the familiar Johnson container with the bright red band.
Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a lot of kidding around tonight about our 15 years on NBC for Johnson's Wax, but we're not selling it short. We're pretty proud of it. And we're also very grateful to you millions of listeners out there who have been so faithful to us all these years. And also to the famous radio and picture stars who so generously dropped in on us tonight. Next week, we start our regular series of radio shows, but we're retrenching a little. It'll only be a half hour. <laughs> My gosh, Molly, 15 years. You can use a lot of awful jokes in that time. I beg your pardon? I mean, I say you can use up an awful lot of jokes in that time. Oh, yes. Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, and Brantford, Canada, and all of us on the program wish to thank all the people who so generously dropped in to congratulate Fever and Molly on their 15th anniversary. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Rub it on, wipe it off. That's all you do with Car New. Yes, it's that easy to give your car a showroom shine with Johnson's Car New, the wax-fortified car polish that cleans and polishes in one application. Car New cleans as you rub it on. Cuts, grime, and film water won't touch. Car New polishes as you wipe it off. Makes your car shine like new. Ask at your dealer's or service station for Johnson's wax-fortified Car New tomorrow and give your car a Sunday shine. Remember, rub it on, wipe it off. That's all you do with Car New. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's September 13th, 1949, the one hour 15th anniversary special. Fibber McGeemard. Well, we'll get Patricia and then we'll bring everybody up to speed. What's going on around here? So, stand by. Jaws Professional, Bill Bragg, Alt Tab, Skype Trading Tab, Online Tab, Walton Hit Tab, Search Ed. Act, favor, Andre, Carol, Martin, Ed, Clue, Patricia from FL application, send it, invite the crew, enter, leaving menus, contacts, list box, unloading, jump, cans, okay, enter. Okay, she'll pick it up. I have faith. Yeah. There she is. All right, everybody. You know what time it is. Here we go. Oh, Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. 
My heart is just droolin', Patricia, no foolin'. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia. I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue sky. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Saturday night, October 1st, so here she is with all the latest sports scores, Patricia. And I was here. I oh. promised I'd be here, and I was here. You were here. You were here. Nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. <laughs> but I promised, and I was here. Welcome home. Thank you. We Thank missed you. you. You did. We, mi- we did. I, I got um, one email. Is Walden playing hooky tonight? <laughs> and I said, no, <laughs> because you weren't. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Happy Saturday already. Where does our week go? It's been a busy week for well, me. Well, we were here one night during this week, weren't we? Yeah, and the week before. We, that kind of sh- that think, shortened the space, yeah. Yeah, I think we've done it, t- was it twice in the last three weeks or something like that? Or maybe the last two weeks or something like that? We... Yes, I think we sneaked in a couple of extra days in there. Yeah, I know. It, well, and our family found us anyway. You know, it, it, it's, it's getting ready for the holiday season. That's why they can start... Oh, please. <laughs> they, can get tune, they can start tuning in and listening to the 24-hour Patricia Network before you know it. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> oh, already... Well, what? You, you're being awfully silent over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you haven't had the opportunity to uh, to express yourself. I'm wanting you to do it. What? I know. You have the floor. What? You have the floor. I have the floor? You have the floor. Okay. Yeah. This is good because I have some extra questions for you tonight. Good. Good. And I have a quote from Carl Sagan. You know how much I enjoyed Carl Sagan That's and miss true. him terribly. He was our astro, astro astronomer, scientist, author, Wait, biologist. He was in everything. Yeah. And he 
was also a regular on the Johnny Carson show, regular in the sense that he was a repeat guest, because not only was he brilliant, he was funny. And he was the one who said billions and billions of stars, and he was so good. Anyway, here's the quote that I came across today. Yes. The fact that some geniuses were laughed at does not imply that all who were laughed at are geniuses. They laughed at Columbus. They laughed at Fulton. They laughed at the Wright brothers. But they also laughed at Bozo the Clown. (laughs) Isn't that great from an astrophysicist? Oh, my God. That's a great line. I thought so, so too. I thought you would enjoy that. So, anyway, hello and welcome back. And are you going to – oh, I have the floor, right? Yeah, you have the floor before I – before you let me have it back. So you have the floor. Oh, it's okay. I've, I've got Winnie the Pooh and stuff, so you go ahead. Well, should we tell them how we're going to do the phone stuff tonight and stuff like that there? Oh, stuff like that oh there? we're not. Your your mixer is still dead, huh? Well, that's why I really, because I was right, I, when you asked me the question, we were about ready to pick up food, and I didn't want to get into, I didn't want you to say, two hamburgers. Two fries, you know, I didn't, you know. I am so hungry. I am so hungry. One of the medications I'm on, and it just got jacked up, makes you hungry. Uh And I don't even want, I need a lock on the refrigerator. Oh, gosh. So anyway, I would have had two. Two of everything. Two of everything. (laughs) Pickles, pickles, cheese, hamburgers, whatever. Uh, Well, to bring people up to speed, um... I think my mom is innocent. <laughs> I think that. Well, that's a good way to start, Your Honor. May, may we pass this on to the jury? I think my mom is innocent, and I've told her so. You know? And she cleaned down her birthday. Her birthday was Thursday. And during the week, I've been using the phone for interviews, so I know it works until she cleaned the house, until she cleaned the, my, the studio. Well, since then, we haven't been able to get a phone line through the board. <laughs> and, you know, so it, my <laughs> mama was not too happy because it was her birthday day, and she could tell her oldest son was, was little... Frustrated. Uh-huh. I didn't take it out of nobody, but, you know, you could get so I was aggravated, you know? You know? Oh, I know. You know. We talked that night, and it was, he said, oh, darn. <laughs> I mean, that's really rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one. Yeah, I was aggravated. Because, you know, especially when you work on something for hours and it still hasn't gotten done. Anyway. Nothing happened, yeah. So, good thing I went on the treadmill and worked out that night, and I really decided that a phone mixer from Radio Shack, which costs $34, which you can't get anymore because Radio Shack's out of business, you know. Um, uh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, um. I'll do the whining for you. Uh, I do good, that very, very well. Very good. Very good. Go ahead. Very I'm good. sorry. Gonna, oh, my gosh. And you depended on them. Okay. As I told Bill, you know, people demand to talk to Patricia. We're going to have to fix something, Bill, you know. I mean, he's under the gun. Anyway, um, 
Because, you know, this this whole system for the last six years has been on Radio Shack equipment or... <laughs> or uh, and duct tape. Or duct tape. Or, or Bill <laughs> jacking around with Radio Shack speakers to make it work. It's amazing what he's able to do for a couple of dollars to make it sound so good. And, you know, a professional phone radio, you know, used to be 1500 bucks, And he been able to pull this off for a couple couple of dollars. You know, a $34 mixer and a $15 speaker phone. Pretty amazing what he's able to do. It's just, it's just incredible. Anyway, so, a couple, over a year ago, um, the telephone mixer is black. Now, you know, you know that doesn't really help me. Just, just to remind <laughs> Oh, you're good. <laughs> 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 go for it. You, you know, just go, guy. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> squirrel. Hi, squirrel. <laughs> oh, this is going to be another squirrel night, I can tell. Oh my, okay. I'll remind people of the squirrel later. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, gee. <laughs> okay, you can do it now. <laughs> Is it possible that someone out there listening doesn't understand the significance of what you just said. No, no, it's, it's definitely an inside joke, but it, that we that we, the old m- members of the family, understand. It's oh, definitely, definitely an inside joke. Maybe you joke. could, maybe you could share. <laughs> Please. Please. Well, Please. the squirrel is our beloved friend from Vermont. Not the squirrel. <laughs> Quiet. You you go do your thing. Oh dear. While you're laughing, I'll explain the squirrel. <laughs> Fred in Vermont called in one night around Christmas time a couple of years ago, and the question, of, of course, the theme for for the night and the question dealt with Christmas. And I asked something about special Christmas presents that you either received or gave or saw or heard about. And Fred said, oh, gosh, yes. The first time I was able to buy something with my own money, I got a present for my mother. It was one of those iron squirrels that was a nutcracker. And you can still buy them. And you push down the squirrel's tail and it cracks the nut. And we're having a really an emotional conversation here because this was something so special. It was the first time he was able to buy something for his mom for Christmas, and he was so proud of it. I said, where is the squirrel now? He said, oh, I sold it on eBay. And it just struck me so funny. I started to laugh and said, well, that was an emotional experience. And we started to laugh and couldn't stop. It was just one of those things that took off. And, you know, I'd say, okay, okay, we're back on track. And I'd hear Walden over there, and I'd start to laugh. And he'd say, okay, I'm back now. I'm back. And we'd go off again. It, 
I don't know how much time we spent laughing that night, but it was out of control. It's That's the best I could it's do. It's definitely one we will be pulling pull up, because now after we transferred all the tape, I can start looking on the drives, and I'll go looking for that, and that will be... Yes. That will At be least more, we know what time of the year it yeah. happened. Christmas. But so either it, Christmas it just July went or on, Christmas December. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those uncontrollable things. We oh, yeah. just could not stop laughing. We have a Thank good, you, Fred. We have a good time. There's no doubt about that. Anyway. Yeah. No, what I was well, that's the squirrel. Yeah, that's the squirrel. Now, the other thing that we, Patricia was referring to, the black little thing, which <laughs> I don't... Uh, yes. <laughs> I, for people who may or may not know, um, the, Saturday night sh- the Saturday night show is, is, is you know, it's bits and pieces. You know, we, we miss, all of us miss, have bits and pieces missing. In my case, is I don't, I don't see, and... I'm hard of hearing. Patricia Casey's just adorable, you know. That's what that's what she's all about. Anyway, um, anyway, so uh, when Bill built these things, he built the studio 15 years ago, and give the du- direction. And now he she would say, Walden, when the when the when the board has the little green light going up and down, you know that means you're <laughs> on the air. You know, different little things. So, <laughs> so everybody gets a kick out of that, cause, I, cause you know. Oh heaven! Oh, yes, yeah. that's just the beauty. When of Walden it. said the the mixer is black and that doesn't do me any good. Yeah. That was showing that my was, inside that's joke. That's what set me off. Yeah, that yes. was showing my inside joke for Patricia to giggle. Cause I, oh, I love it her, worked. I love her giggling. You know, You're it worked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Okay. So, I'm, so I'm back. Over a year ago, I don't know. It might be closer to two years. The the telephone mixer from Radio Shack ran on power. Well, that went by that went by the board. I think in 2013. So ever since then, we've been running on this thing nine volt batteries. And if I keep a battery in the whole mixer, it goes out in two weeks. So. When I'm not using, I pull the battery out and just try to see if I can prolong without going through umpteen million batteries to keep this thing going. And so we're now concluding that maybe the mixer has gone out the door. It basically has shot. So that's the case. We're going to have to take phone calls a different way tonight. Because Bill said last night when he called, he's going to go see if he has an extra mixer around the house or else he's going to go to Radio Shack's. Well, if people have been following Radio Shack, they've been bought out by Verizon. And the last Radio Shack I went into, pretty much all carrying cell phone technology. So, Dad, and I, Dad went to Marvec, which is a local electronics store, bought a small little radio mix, telephone mixer, which is really, I don't know if it's going to work. I have both Jerry Burling, our sound engineer, promised to come down whenever ready to need him who worked for NBC, who loved Patricia. You know, he just thinks you're the best. He thinks you're the best. Hi, Terry. (laughs) He really do. And anyway, so he he offered to come down and fix the board. So we now think it's a a mixture. So Dad's been looking online. We've been finding professional talk show radio thing for $200, $400 or whatever. So 
<laughs> you know, worst case scenario, I'm I'll break down and pull out the piggy bank, and we'll buy a a professional mixer to keep this going. Mm -hmm. or something. Maybe Texas can help. You know, but we'll do something. Uh, so when we open the phone line, this is the way it's gonna work tonight. If you want to be on the air with Patricia and I, <laughs> call the number, the 714-545-2071. I will answer the phone off air, and you have to give me your phone number. Because then I will call you back <laughs> on Skype. And that's how we're going to have to do it for tonight. Uh, so I think you are so creative to have come up with that. <laughs> you know, you know, me truly. And you know, and I promise not to. We can do up to twenty five people, but I know Patricia would go on a hunger strike if we decided to go for twenty five <laughs> people. <laughs> well, th this week a hunger strike would be good. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's terrible. There is. Oh, you go ahead. I'll I'll talk later. <laughs> So that's, but now it, let me explain why I was late today. That, 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 you know, even though we've been promoting, I, I think we should definitely give a little more discussion what happened to me today. Today was our friend Janet Waldo, as some of you know, she's been on this station a lot of time. Been with Patricia, she's been with me, one of the legendary old-time radio actresses who is so bubbly. Uh, passed away, I would say in May. And today her two ch children decided to make this the day that they were going to celebrate her mom's life and do it at their house. At their, their folks' house. And their mom and dad, who is of course Janet Walter, the radio actress, and their dad, Robert E. Lee, the famous playwright who wrote Maine, Inherit the Wind, a lot of great plays, n novels, you know, um, no slouch, you know. I mean, he's, Janet said. Quite a remarkable man, oh, yes. Janet said, it was, they have kept them. They have phone messages from Catherine Hepburn to Gene Kelly wanting to get in, calling up, wanting to talk to Bob to see if they could get into Bob plays. You know, I mean, that, that kind of status is what Bob was in terms of a writer. And he's been gone a long time. Bob, Bob was in a uh, an accident. I think a plane crash actually. What, um, which hurt himself really badly. And they could, they could keep him alive by giving him medicine, which straightened him out. But the long term effect, four years, it took his it took his life, because it you know created some brain cancers and things like that. But so the short term it saved his life but long term the medicine, you know, took a toll. Uh and Janet's been Janet and I've become very close over the last thirteen years or so. And so things like that we would talk about and you know, she would share one of the things that Bob would do, he would read scripture to her every day. You know, the very personal things that you know, the general public would know that I think Janet felt very comfortable talking about her kids and talking about her her life growing up as a young little girl to talking about, uh, you know, seeing Bob the house that we, they built it in 1951, so it's been remained their house for 65 years. 
and one of her best friends was Dinah Shore, and her husband, George McGurk, built the furniture that's in this house. And so, so, anyway, so they, they invited 85 people to come and celebrate Janet's life today. And John, Larry, and I got invited, so we went. And so mom and dad were willing to make the trip. And, you know, with traffic, you're looking at two, two and a half hours easily to get up there and coming back. And because uh, they had 85, they hired valet parking, Patricia. I'm glad. Valet? 85 people. Yeah. Yes. And you're talking about a residential area, so they hired a valet parking people to park the cars, probably to keep the streets open for the neighborhood, probably. Mm-hmm. And they had the meal catered. And so we sat outside. It was still warm here in California, so we stayed under the shade. And so, um, and other groups stayed inside. People that we saw were uh, Herb Ellis, who was going to be 96. In January, he was, you know, Jack Webb's right-hand man on Dragnet to help create the show. And Peggy Weber and Tommy Cook and Lorna Malton, a famous movie critic who um, worked for Entertainment Entertainment Tonight still today. Does a podcast with his daughter now. And, you know, a lot of family members. Uh, and... And we saw our friend Stuart Shokas. Here's a touching story. You'll love this one, Patricia. Stuart has a internet show that focuses on TV. And he's been doing it for a long time. And he's made his living selling TV shows, you know, the old, the old public domain. And he's a well-known expert. And he had been dating a girl for a long time. And they're almost like 60. And she, uh, three years ago, right after the Spurvac convention, she suffered a major brain aneurysm. And, you know, couldn't walk, couldn't speak, couldn't, you know, communicate, was bedridden in the hospital. And so what did Stuart decide to do? He proposed marriage to her in that state, and she agreed yes, to say yes. Oh. And so they've been working together for three years for her to get better. And so they got married. Tony Dow was their best man. They gave, and, you know, a lot of the people they had on the shows attended the wedding. And, uh-huh. and so they've been working with her from able to walk from a walker to a cane. Now she can walk without it. And now she's working, trying to get her eyesight squared away. Just all the oh different traumatic things. But I, here he realized after a week or two when her and this, said he just did not want to live without her, so he proposed marriage to her. Oh, my my heart just went kutsung. Yep, yep. Oh, gosh. Yep. And then oh. like a year, uh, six months ago, what they did, they, they, they both of them went to the hospital staff and made sure they could thank every single nurse in person for looking after her for the long-term care. I wonder if he can be cloned. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so I thought you might get a kick out of that story. That's, that's kind Thank of... you, Stuart. You just made my heart happy for a very long time. That's going to last a long time. Yeah. So anyway, that was the type of people we had. And so we they had the food catered, and then um, the two children hosted the celebration. And Lucy, uh, who is... Dr. Lucy, by the way, uh, you might recall you, Kate, you hear Lucy in the background when her mom was doing the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy runs the business department at USC. She specializes in business writing. So I know Patricia and Lucy would could, you know, nod, wink, wink, and circle pencils, you know, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> do that. Anyway, she she's a bright cookie, and her and her her brother uh, works at Dorothy Candler, the, the big the big theater, you know, a lot of props and everything. So so they decided to put on the uh, the celebration of life performance. So Lucy said, "Mom, the one thing about you could say about mom." Everything she did in life was always was a joy. She was a joyous person, you know. Uh, she 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 every day was a joy for her. Every work was a joy for her. Everything she did, the people she taught was a joy to her. Everything she had a joyous nature about her. And you know, it was so interesting. She said every. She, I would talk to mom on the phone, and I was getting ready to go to school, and she said, and mom was, this is what mom would say, you have a great day, okay? Just don't, make sure you remember to put your lipstick on before you go into the class. So that was her. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can hear her saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then what they did. It's trying to show parts, video parts of the highlight, and have, you know, Lucy talked about her mom, and then the son started to show clips, and they, these were from the Rail Shack commercial to the stuff, on camera stuff that Janet did, uh, being a spokesperson for a commercial. They would play the radio clip, and they would have photos of the radio studios from CBS, mm-hmm. and and they had uh, oh. They showed the I Love Lucy TV show and the I <laughs> See Harriet, and they uh, what with the what with the surprise of all surprise, they had a copy. They they found the thirty-five mil film of Janet test for Hollywood back in the thirties. You know, in, the, in those days. Um. You know, to become before you would sign a movie contract, you would do a test on film. That way, the studio executive would see how you would look before they would sign the up and coming stars. And they found it, and so they showed it. And and Jan was 18 at the time, and she would talk. You know, went over. You know, she was five foot two. This this, and then the, then a dramatic piece. So it was something that none of us ever seen before. And so it was pretty, 
pretty special day, you know, the, and so it took several hours to get home, but uh, that's why we are late. It took a lot of love and a lot of time to put that together for yeah. everyone. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you. That, w- that will hold me for the rest yeah. of my life. You and between you and Janet and Stuart, or among you and Janet and Stuart, I'm fixed for the rest of my life yeah. now. Well, you know, Lucy <laughs> wanted to let me know how much her mom loved me. And she knew, I think her, I, I think they all knew that I loved Janet. And I could, and I know, and Lucy, you could tell Lucy was, was, you know, emotional day, you know, because mm-hmm. she's her mom. And, and she, mom was mentioning something, well, I know, you know, I could feel Janet in my heart. And I, and I this is what I said. I, and maybe there's better ways of saying it, but many times Janet and I would talk. She was looking forward to the day that she could see her mom and dad again. I know how much she loved her mom and dad. You know, and so, mm-hmm. so even though it's sad for us not having her here, Janet was looking forward to the day. So, you know, there's, what can you say, you know, in those, t- those times? Um... You say we're sad she's gone, and so happy she was here. So I wish she, so happy, and, and we know she's she's seen the people she loves. You know, and so mm-hmm. you know that's sort of how I try to express myself today to her. You you did a good job. I try. You did well. Thank you. I wouldn't even say you'd done good. You did well. Thank you, my dear. All right. So should I put well, the I phone on the hook to see if anybody wants to talk to put, us tonight put or not? Put the phone on the hook. Yeah, put the phone on the hook, and then while we are waiting for a call, I have something special for you. All right, my dear. Phone is, is, is on the hook. Phone's off the hook. And, and, this and is, we are ready. Yeah, now this <laughs> and is, I let me remind everybody, because it's been a while since I said this, if you want to talk to Patricia, you have to call the studio number, 714 Five four five two zero seven one. I will answer this off air. I will write your number down. You have to give me, and then I will call you back on Skype, and then that's how we're going to, have to do it tonight. All right. And your neighbors are going to hope so much that Walden gets your number correct. <laughs> and Absolutely. and I know he will. I have not, and I think the poor lady <laughs> who owns a phone number very close to yours, one that I have called twice. At <laughs> At different times, but they were always after midnight your time. <laughs> and I think she probably has taken her phone number and ditched it. Ah. But um, I did do that. Good. Anyway, okay, I found something. Are you still there? I'm here. Okay, if you disappear to answer the phone, I'll just I keep talking. You, okay? I will let you know that I'm picking up the phone, so that way you know. Okay, because some, you know, like you, you called me tonight. You didn't tell me we were on the air, so I'm really happy. I didn't say anything naughty. Well, that's why I thought you knew I was going to run late. So I thought, well, you know, I figured... Oh, I, I knew you were running late. I thought you were going to call me and say, okay, now we're going on the air. Only you called me and there we were. I have, I, I trust you. <laughs> One day, Walden. Well, you know... <laughs> One day I'm going to be having a terrible day and I'm going to say something naughty. Well, if you do, Bill Black, yes. Bill Black will have something to talk about, won't he? Ooh, I'd be fired. No. I know some really bad ones. 
Okay, here, here is your thing. I picked up a book. Heaven help me. I'm so sorry I did, but it was it pledged to me that it would be just interesting pieces of information. Trivia, but expanded with some explanations. In the first three or four pages I got to sample, they were really nice. They had information and then moved on to the next one. Well, the further I got into this book, the longer the explanations got. And we were into two pages in the Paleolithic Times and Cavemen and um, biological names of flowers, and I thought, I bought it, I have to finish it. I only paid 99 cents, but 99 <laughs> cents is what I paid, and I'm going to read this thing until the end, and I'm so glad I did, because in the middle of all of this, the author talked about saffron, which is a priceless spice. If you buy saffron, you have to leave your bank account at the door and it was even more precious back in the early 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 days like the 14th century there is a town of saffron walden in essex england saffron walden just like you walden and it takes its name from the spice saffron it was the center of the english saffron trade before then the town was known simply as walden and i thought you would have fun with that very nice you found something named after me. I did. Besides a pond. I did. Only you've got, right now you have saffron in front of it, but it used to be for real. How's Walden Pond doing? Have you, have you checked it out? Or do we still have water in Walden, po- water, Walden Pond? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, oh, gosh, I love this. Would you like to try that one again? Do we still have water? In Walden yes. Pond. I haven't checked it recently. In fact, I would not know which direction. Where is it? In Canada, I think. Oh, you're an I think person, too. Uh-huh. So I have to look it up now. I, I have to do my confession of what I did to my keyboard this week. I was sitting, as I usually do. I've got my feet up on the desk. I've got my... Um, keyboard on my lap. I usually sit with a cup of coffee in my left hand while I'm looking and doing some stuff on the internet. And if I need to type something, I'll put my coffee down. Well, it had been a very long day. It was about three o'clock in the morning. And I nodded off and let go of the coffee cup. I had coffee all over the keyboard, all over me, all over the floor. The only thing it missed was the desk because I was leaning back. So here I am with a coffee-soaked keyboard. And I thought, okay, I'll hurry up and dry it, hurry up and dry it. And, I mean, of course, it leaked down into all of the electronics. The only thing I could get out of it was a reverse key. <laughs> so <laughs> I, just, I think I killed it. <laughs> so it is now 3.30 in the morning. I have finished mopping up the floor. I have finished cleaning me up. I have dried as much as I could off the keyboard. And I thought, 3.30, well, I'm already up. Let me go squirreling around and see what I have in my computer stash. So I dug around, and I had a keyboard in there. Ah. And I pulled it out, and I looked, and I thought, gosh, what was this thing doing in the box? This is a great one. So I've got a better keyboard. It's clearly, I used it. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not ratty or anything, but it's, it's clearly not a brand-new keyboard. And it's just great. It's got um, the... 
calculator keyboard on here. And so out of that mess, I've got a keyboard that actually works. The major influence on Saturday night is when I sit here and I do stuff, nobody knows it, you know? Well, what, what, what do we don't know? You don't know. This one clicks. Ah. Very nice. So if I if I do something, um, you're gonna know it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that 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 uh, that gives you a little pizzazz, a little style. A little pizzazz, but yeah. you know, I don't I don't do a lot. Once in a while, I'll just. I'll get an email and I'll say thanks. I'll talk to you later or something like that. That's okay. Um, I think that gives you. But now everybody's going to know when I'm doing something, <laughs> including you. That's okay. Yeah. I like that. I I have a theme for tonight. Please do. I would like to know if anyone is buying or has bought at any time for radio or television. Have you bought any products because you love a show? Poor Walden ate Wheaties and didn't even like Wheaties because they sponsored Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy, which was his favorite radio show. And bless your heart, you and you had your mom, you asked your mom to buy Wheaties, and I think that that is just the sweetest story I ever heard. You ate those darn things because Jack Armstrong asked you to do it. Am I alone? I think I'm by myself here. Well, I will just keep talking. We have our first. Anyway. We have our first person. So hold on. See, you left without telling me. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. We need practice on this one. We've never done this before. Who Who is the brave person? Jaws professional tab, Skype trademark left bracket <laughs> oh, 39 alt tab, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Brown tab, Skype trademark left bracket tab, online tab, Walden News dollar tab, search edit tab, see updates from your tab, all mobiles and lit space, all phones, at 8, 1, Satu, Jack French, other, plus 1703978123677. So Talking offline to Walden. So that's what he's doing. He's getting Dan back on. So my theme for tonight, I want to know if you, especially if you were a kid, did you have your mom or ask your mom to do this? I love it when the announcers say, make sure you tell your mom to buy this tomorrow. Well, excuse me, if I told my mom to do anything like that, I wouldn't see the outside of my bedroom for a very long time. Have you picked it up yet? Is he there? Well, we have to, we have to, maybe I heard him drop off. We'll have to try again. That's okay. Oh, maybe you really did call his neighbor. Yeah, maybe I did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was so embarrassing for me. That poor lady twice. It was easily 2 o'clock California time because we had done some really late Jaws shows. Professional, Patricia from FL tab, tab, plus 1812 tab, Simply because tab, it was supporting the call button. Our Enter, show, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, plus one eight one two seven two six zero nine eight five. And call button. The only reason he ate Wheaties was because they sponsored Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. So, 
Anyhow, I have some useless but fun stuff while Walden is trying to square away phones. It's going to be really an interesting um, experiment tonight. If it works, maybe we'll never have to do it again, even if it does work. Anyway, I came across a number today, Netherlands. Holland is, is one of two provinces in that country, in the Netherlands. Every year, they produce approximately 3 billion tulip bulbs, B, with a B. Three billion are exported. I cannot imagine what they do with the billion. Patricia from FL Home, Bill App, Screen Options App, Check Settings Button App, Hide I Am Button App, Patricia from F App, Bill Track App, Turn On Video App, Mute Button App, Dial Pad Button App, Add Participant, Send File Shift App. Dial pad button. I thought that was kind of a nifty piece of information. And if you don't, that's okay, because I had it written on my paper. And now that Walden is gone, you have to listen to me. Okay, I also came across a revised number. Last week I said I had read, and honest to goodness I did, that Americans waste 40% of their food. 40%. And I found a revised figure that says 25%, which still makes me take in a big, deep breath, but it's a whole lot better than 40%. So okay, I'm going to try something. Uh, Patricia, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to call you right back. And I wanna You're going to call me back? I'm going to call you back. Oh. I'm going to do this, okay. too. Okay. Alt page down, menu bar, alt control J, leaving menu bar, JAWS context menu, alt tab, leaving menus, Patricia from F, alt tab, plus 18127, alt tab, Patricia from F, alt tab, plus 1, alt tab, Skype trademark left rack tab, create a new tab, add a new bot to your tab, recent link, tab, Patricia from FL home, Bill Bragg, plus 1, search edit, list box, Unread messages. Ron Bond, Carolyn, Martin, Grant, Ed Kluth, Patricia from F. Bill Bragg. Enter. Bill Bragg. End call button. Tab. Full screen tab. Check setting tab. Show I am tab. Bill Bragg. Tab. Turn on video. All tab. Skype trade tab. Online. Select the change tab. Walton Hughes tab. Search edit. Tab. See updates from your tab. Call mobiles and last space. Call phone. 8122. 21812. Blank. Seven. Three. Eight. Six. Zero. Nine. Eight. Five. Five. Eight. Nine. Zero. Six. Three. Seven. Two. One. Eight. 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 One. Two. Seven. Three. Six. Zero. Six. Three. Seven. Three. Six. Zero. Nine. Eight. Five. Blank. Enter plus one tab. Insert a tab. Call button. Tab. Add the printer. Plus one eight one two seven three six zero nine eight five. Bill Bragg. Hey, I'm here. Okay, sounds great. 
Alt tab plus one eight one two seven full tab plus one eight one two seven full tab plus one full tab Skype trademark tab create a new tab add a new tab recent link tab plus one eight tab plus one eight tab unread messages Frank Brett unread messages John unread Bill Brack Patricia from FL applications send invite the group enter from Walton Hughes Walton Hughes added Patricia from F unloading job camps okay enter. By golly, you said you were going to do it, and you did. I, well, you know, Dan wasn't walking the other way, so I tried a different way. Hi, Dan. Dr. Watson, come here. I need you. <laughs> yes, I know who this is. This is the person we almost got to talk to earlier. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? No 8x10, Glossy. I do voice work only. Thank you for the opportunity. This is our television star. We have a television star. They filmed the Cordon, Indiana. What, what was it called? This, is anniversary. this is the anniversary of Indiana, correct? No? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Our and former first, our former's first lady, Judy O'Bannon, was in Cordon for the uh, kickoff of the uh, Bicentennial Torch Relay, and uh, they filmed a brief uh, public service announcement with her, and. Um, I was in the background speaking to uh, President Lincoln, and, uh, and that's how I got on television. And so quite surprising. Were. I just saw it today. So yes, I sent I a copy. I, I, I would like to be your manager. I would like to be your manager, not not your sidekick, but your manager. May I do that? I'm very good at sure, marketing. Sure, sure. Exactly. I'm, I'm I bet you are. Yeah, and you don't even have to pay me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If he, if you, if you think of your effort, he becomes a million, a multi-broadcast millionaire superstar, shouldn't you at least get 10%? Well, you stepped on the second part of my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you don't even have to pay me, although it would be a lovely thing to do. Oh. Uh, does exactly. that work? And, and Don, Dan is an honorable person. Exactly. I will. Yes. I've shared okay. I've shared nothing with several people for many years because <laughs> that's as far as I've, I've gone. <laughs> put it so well. Would you say that one more time? Yes, I've shared I've shared with many people what I little I've, I've think, gathered over the I, years. I think you said I have shared nothing with many people, and <laughs> that's good. <laughs> And that's what I've got right now. Yes. Okay, may that's, I may yeah. I may that's I right. may I turn the table on you, Dan? Sure. What's the nicest thing anybody's ever shared with you? Oh gosh. Uh, that's that's a very good question. <laughs> I mean he, he, you know, he, they also have shared nothing with many people. <laughs> The best line I have heard in weeks. <laughs> well, we 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 share our kindness. We have we share our goodwill. We gather together here at the radio, and we share over the air, you know, around the proverbial. He's kind of fading out on me. I know. Dan will move he, to he a good spot. Okay, it's not just me. Okay. Yeah. Have to walk there you go. Back. There you are. I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't know I was going anywhere. 
I hadn't oh, planned a trip. Well, your phone, you your phone, you your phone, power right your, out of your phone. Your phone did the walking for you that time. I bet it does. Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah. So why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Cause the the, the uh, phone mixer and my board went out on Thursday, so we're waiting for a replacement. So oh boy. That's why we're doing it. The brand new way of skyping. <laughs> yes. It's a little Do slow, we have, but it works. Do we have Patricia on Skype? Yes. She's on Skype and you're on Skype. I'm not on Skype. He has me on Skype. I'm Well, that's right. But I'm calling her on Skype. That's yeah. why I so she's on her phone. She's on, she's phone. on her phone. I'm on my phone. We're doing phone, phone. calls through Skype. That's right. Okay. She, well, I'm always... You know, I always thought when we got Patricia on Skype, she would sound like Tallulah Bankhead. I love you know, her voice. Yeah. <sighs> I listened to her what? voice, and I said, darling, she was so good. She, I, You could tell what kind of a lifestyle that lady had just by listening to her voice. All right, my dear, you want to give your Tallulah Bankhead impression? I just did. What, what? What's the difference between Tallulah and Teddy Thurman? Oh, Teddy was very sultry. Okay, give and me give me your Teddy. Oh, sultry! I, well, I I do need to listen okay. to Teddy. Teddy right. Thurman was the weather lady on Monitor, and she would always give the the same. She didn't care what the weather station said. She just gave weather reports that appealed to her. <laughs> but she had such a lovely voice, a lovely speaking voice. People didn't care, especially the men in the audience. She could have told them that they were, it was 10 inches of snow in downtown Miami, and they would have believed her and let it go. So Teddy had a very sultry voice, and she would say, Atlanta, 82 degrees tonight. Miami is doing very well. Indiana, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she was so good. She was so good. So I have to listen to Teddy for a while, and then I can give you Teddy. But nobody needs to listen to Tulula more than two or three times. God, she was good. Oh, my gosh, she was because, good. Wow. Because she had given me the music to play on you when you start doing the water report. You know that. Oh, that he did send that. Uh -huh. Oh, right. I forgot about so that. I'm assuming so once, I, we, once we debut that, we probably want to rehearse that a few times. That way... That way you had the rhythm. I think Patricia should give the weather report at the top of every hour. Really? Well, I want the sports scores, right? Yes, really? we do want the sports scores. Yes. I have well, not checked my sports how, how scores. How many people does the word we include? <laughs> how, many, how many of you are in there? I, I, don't you think, my dear, if we ask the family... Do you want Patricia to give sports scores? You, you don't. You think the. You think there might oh, I be. Oh, could do that. You think there there would be a landslide? Oh, I could do that. I just don't want to have to watch it or listen to it in order to. If you if you give me the scores, I can do that. I, I have bad news. Some, I could even give you some color commentary that I never saw. Everybody I have bad news. It. What? Louisville has its first defeat of the year. It lost to Clemson 36-42. to 42. Well, that was a little bit closer than 150-0. to zero. 
Five and zero. Clemson has not lost yet. No, no, no. See, we're talking about. All you you have to do is give me the scores. You do not have to give me blow by blow type stuff. Just the scores. (laughs) And then let me know if they're real teams. (laughs) I don't recognize half the names. What what sport are we talking about right now? Well, right now we're talking about hoofball. Which ball? Hoofball. Football. Hoof, H-O-O-F. Hoof. Oh, okay. Yeah, football. And how, how, uh, you better inform, uh, you better inform uh, Walden. He may not know what that uh, sport is. Football? What, football? Yes. Oh. Hoof. What is, what is like that, Patricia? Like the hoof on a cow. What is that, Patricia? Hoof, hoofball. Oh. Uh, if we're going to have colorful stuff here. Yes. We have to invent a few new words. I see. I can do that. You're going to be the modern-day <laughs> Grant Lunis Rice, huh? Whatever. Oh. What That's why I they take a pumpkin. That's why they take this pumpkin and kick it back and forth across this uh Oh, yeah, and they, and they put it pasture. They sew it together. It's got sutures. They do. It has sutures in it. What the most sure famous does. nickname that Grantland Rice ever create in sports? I do not know. I'm not even going to ask the next question. Do you want me I, to even I, answer my own question? I want you to answer your own question before I make a fool out of myself and ask you one. Sure. He was the one that created the uh, famous line... He dubbed the famous Notre Dame backfield the Four Horsemen. Okay, you remember wow. back, back in those days, a lot of the sports writers would write everything very poetically or very, you know, licensed and things. So he was the one that sort of came up with the, the famous Four Horsemen. And what really year would have this been? 1924. 1924, wow. Very That's good. almost yep. 100 years. Almost to Wow. I'm going yes, to ask almost. my question anyway. Yes, who was Grant Lund Rice? Famous sports broadcaster who later had a radio show, which you used to give out. Oh, wait. I have it, don't I? Yeah. I, I, give, out, I give out stuff people ask for. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what they're asking for. I just do it. <laughs> I just do it. And, incidentally, that reminds me, if you sign up for Drop box which is a free service you go to dropbox d-r-o-p-b-o-x dot com you can sign up for it um, but I can even make it easier if you'd like to join us on Dropbox which will allow me to instantly send you stuff instead of waiting for CDs to come in the mail send me an email at floridawriter at hotmail dot com 
I will send you a link that will automatically connect with me. You click on the link, sign up for Dropbox, and we are together. It really is quite a simple procedure. So if you would like to do that, send me an email, and we'll figure out how to get you up there, and I can get things like Grantland Rice into your system. It will show up in a little folder on your computer. Isn't that cool? And maybe, maybe even to Lula Bankhead, too. Oh, yes, I can send you some Tallulah Bankhead, the big show, darling. I wish I had her. She really had (laughs) one of these. I can't can't get down that low. She had, and, and raspy, you know, I mean, you could tell she was a really heavy smoker, and she probably enjoyed a few when she got home from the studio, but it affected her vocal cords, and... She was one of the people who, it, it sounded good. I mean, she had this persona that just matched her voice, or her voice matched her, and she was good. So I'm, I'm going to have to scream a few times into a pillow to kind of roughen up my vocal cords before I can, I can attempt to lula. Gosh, really liked her voice. And we do have some recordings. So other than being a television star, what have you been up to, sir? Oh, I've been up to a lot of things. We're still going through the bicentennial this year, and we still have people wanting to learn about the um, the history of Indiana. So I've had uh, several email requests this week, and it finally cooled down here in Indiana. We went from being in the night in the nineties. Uh, we're now getting into the 50s at night and 60s during the day. We've had some rain. Uh, no, no fall color coming in though yet. And I wanted to inform you. I should, I should have informed you too. Do you know about Hurricane Matthew down in the uh, down yes, around Cuba? And, yes, and I've been following the track on these. We've had obviously we're up to M. We've had many named storms. And virtually every one of them approaches the islands and takes a hard right to the north. Now, Cuba is apparent. I haven't checked today, but Cuba was was scheduled to get a really big hit from this. But after it crosses Cuba, it's going to go north again. And that is so peculiar to me. I know that there is a very simple answer. I don't know what it is. Hurricanes thrive on heat. That's why... In this particular season, they stay over, they come in, and they stay over the warmest water. And we've got the warmest water in this section of the globe. The farther north you go, the colder the water gets. And that means that the power of the storm starts to dissipate because it doesn't have, it's not being fed heat. Some of them actually reach England and the and the British Isles. But I don't know why they're doing that. They're they're deliberately turning north into cold water. So why are know, they doing probably, that? You're our, you are our resident expert on everything. <laughs> it all has to do, I'd say, with the jet stream. Now, I do know that the jet stream was blocking. Well, there was, uh, I believe they usually called them a Bermuda High, a high-pressure mm-hmm. system down off of... Uh, South Carolina. That was preventing uh, storms from coming into the uh, Ohio Valley. Now, that finally has moved, 
I guess, a little further to the southeast. So that could be pushing the hurricane um, down toward um, the south. You know, if the high pressure is up here, it's rotating um, clockwise. So, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's like gears in a machine. You know, when you've got a high pressure rotating, uh, when you've got a high pressure system, uh, you know, turning counter uh, clockwise then, you know, low pressure will turn counterclockwise. You know, it's all in how it's pushed by the jet streams, and, you know, that will affect hurricanes. So that could be causing your hurricanes to to move off to the south like that. But uh, It's moving off to the north, and I'm looking at the five-day track. It's going to cross Cuba on Monday. It's going to hit Cuba on Monday, and by 8, in, at night, it will have crossed Cuba. It looks like a very slow-moving storm. Right now, it is a Category 4, which is an mm-hmm. enormous storm, absolutely yes. enormous. And it will only be down to a Category 3 when it crosses the islands. It's already kicking up a mess in some of them down there. So these people are really going to need help, and they're going to be in trouble. But it's they were talking about evacuating. To they, were, they were talking about evacuating um, Gitmo down there. Because I mm-hmm. guess it would be taking a pretty uh, you know, direct hit there. So Yeah, but, it, uh, it's, it's going to be brutal. It's cutting right through the center of that island. So mm-hmm. it's going to be brutal. And it's not yeah. going to touch us. It, it will not. It has already taken its right turn. Its right turn is crossing Cuba. And mm-hmm. it will be going north. Well, let's hope so. I heard they were saying it was probably heading toward... Uh, Bogota and um, northern uh, South America. It's crossed. That's one. It, it, it's past that. Oh, it's past. It, Wait. It, it is past. It, it's in the Caribbean, and yes. it is aimed straight at the center of Cuba, and yes. the trajectory uh-huh. is north. It's north it's into the, the Gulf, then. No, it's in the Caribbean. Yes. It's but, not going but, to come. It's not going to come close to the Gulf. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to visualize that. I had. I um, just heard the name today. To the, I hadn't really. It is, yeah, it's to the east of Florida, quite dramatically to the east of Florida. I Cuba see. is the, the the western tip of Cuba is due south of us, mm-hmm. and Cuba is quite a sizable island. And, oh, it is. Uh, so, Cuba is, yes, is quite a large right. island. Yeah, and it is, I would say, probably two-thirds two thirds of, it's not, not quite center of the island that it's mm-hmm. going to be crossing tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. But it's powerful. It, it is powerful. You get to Category 4, and wow. Wow. Yes. It will only be down only to, one more category. That's true. That's true. Yes. And, you know, That's category right. That will be and go up to sustained, these are sustained winds of 155 miles an hour in a Category 4. So when you get to a Category 5, I mean, you can kiss your whole island goodbye. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be down to 3, if that's a down 2, <laughs> with the winds up to 130 sustained. These are not gusts. The gusts are on top of that. So this is one heck of a storm coming through. What's the largest people. hurricane you've been through? I have not been through anything huge. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, the, the the one 
that seemed the the most powerful was when I was a kid in New Jersey. One wow. came up the coast and whacked New Jersey, uh-huh. and uh, and also parts of New York. So that was one. And of course, as a kid, you, you just don't know. I have you see a storm like that, and it's enormous. And for all I know, it could have been a puddle jumper. But um, that's that's the one I remember. Um, we had a category. We had a category five hit the East Coast about 20 years ago, and just destroyed Homestead, just destroyed it. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there just wasn't anything left. And it was a very narrow storm, cut through the Everglades, I mean, cut a path through the Everglades, crossed the state, and came in, I came across, because I'm on the other side of Homestead. Miami is on one side, I'm on the other, and Homestead is just short of Miami. And it, it just, that's where they think some of the exotic snakes came from. We've got boas and all sorts of things in the Everglades, and now they're thinking that because Homestead was destroyed, and Homestead, of course, backs up, as everything does, to the Everglades, there is some thinking that the snakes escaped from exotic pet stores and exotic zoos and were Mm -hmm. washed into the Everglades as opposed to the more common thing of people saying, oh, isn't this great? What a lovely little pet. And the pet grows to 88 feet long, and they, they have no place to put it, so they dump it in the Everglades. But the, the current thinking has at least opened the possibility that it was as a result of the powerful storm. It was a Category 5, a high Category 5. It was off-the-scale Category 5 and came through and destroyed everything in its path, and that's one of the thoughts that has come up in the last couple of years is that these exotics that are in the Everglades and really destroying the ecosystems in there are, oh, they are. Are, are, are they actually came as a result of the hurricane they were blown in there well food for thought we've had two stories of alligators being found in the wild up here in Indiana no, over the past 10 years I'm not one one within just miles of my home. Uh, he was sunning himself on a uh, log in Ending Creek, and uh, you know he had to have been turned loose, you know, by someone. I would hope, you know, in this area. And then uh, someone, I think, found another one. Just uh, yeah. someone was, uh, you know, just. Uh, uh, was, uh, welcome, welcome to the visitors. Uh, we have visitors who. Somehow, I don't know how they do it, they manage to get on planes with these things tucked in their suitcases. And Mm -hmm. it's another one that grows too big for the aquarium and won't fit in the bathtub. So they wind up on on log. I don't know how they would fare in winter weather. They're reptiles, but still. they're They're warm weather creatures. They are. They are. I mean, you know, for the most part, we can get into the 20s here. I guess they could maybe find a pocket of water that would stay fairly warm. But mm-hmm. as for a food source, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it would be possible, but, you know, Lots of I don't know. Got, yeah, if they've got water there. Alligators dig mm-hmm. holes. You've heard probably the term alligator hole. They really mm-hmm. do dig deep holes in the mud. And uh-huh. under those circumstances, they might be able to stay warm enough to survive. 
That's just a guess on my part. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sure, sure. I never know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Don't don't believe me. I just like to talk. Well, you you at least fool us at times, but you know what you're talking about. That's true. That's true. I could sing for my supper. That's right. Have we lost Walden? I haven't heard a peep out of Walden. Oh, no. I, I, I am learning a lot from my animal friends, so I'm just sitting here <laughs> in the background. <laughs> be, kind to your web, be kind to your web-footed friends. A duck may belong to someone's mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just, yeah. I was just thinking that good, too. Good, good thing nobody sent a, a mama and a papa alligator out there in Indiana. And you could have alligators breeding out there. That's what I was thinking about. Out there. Now, yeah. if, you, if you grunt and you hear a grunt back, it's a bull alligator. Stay away. So are we going to send Patricia up to Indiana to do her alligator <laughs> grunts? I'll do it by phone. <laughs> She'll do it by Skype. There you go. World I'll, famous. I will Skype my alligator grunt. <laughs> Patricia, the world famous alligator grunter. Yes, I'll, I'll have to go in the closet or something when, when all the closet backs. I'll have to find a place in the apartment. It's a very small apartment. I don't know where, where I would go to keep from waking up the neighborhood. You can, do it on, you can do it on the roof. On the roof? Yeah. On the roof. You can grunt for on the roof. Yeah. If you say that so. would be worth that would be the worth the price of admission to see her up on the roof. Good. How much grunting. are you willing to pay? <laughs> How much? Oh, I, I I tell you that'd be everybody that'd be worth every bit of two bucks, I think. Two dollars. Okay. Two dollars. Two dollars. Oh, Matt, after okay. four, will somebody donate another two? We're gonna have a fun for Patricia. <laughs> I hear four. Do I hear four? 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 Fifty-four? Fifty-four? Fifty from the back of the room. Four? Fifty-four? Seventy-five? Four? Seventy-five? Yes, we could do this. She's a pretty good auctioneer. She's very good. I would good. love to be an auctioneer. She could do it. I would love to do that. Oh, gosh, I would love to have someone teach me the basics and let me practice. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? You would be good at it. I don't know how good I would be at it, but it would be fun. Yeah. My dad used to. I would be my dad. My my dad listened to our neighbor way back in the 1960s. He was practicing to be an auctioneer, and he had a new, at that point, tape recorder. And he would listen to uh, Ralph practice his auctioneering calls. Oh wow! What fun! Yes. Was was Ralph successful in his work? Ralph then... was very successful for many he years. Was. For about forty years, he was an auctioneer. And was he in the tobacco auctions? He was not. No, he would do. Uh, he would do estate auctions. You know when. You know when people would sell oh, the farm yes, or sell their yes. place. Oh, yes. He was known. They would take hay wagons and they would put, you know, their personal items out there on the hay wagons. He would get up mm-hmm. on a hay wagon with his, uh, with his uh, sound system, and he would. They would hand things to Ralph, and he'd say, "Okay, we've got, uh, you know, this item here. What, 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 what will." You know, I'll start the bid at two bucks, and he'll do the auctioneering up and down. You know, and sometimes uh-huh. he wouldn't get anyone. He was very good. He was a very good auctioneer. What was the and, most uh, interesting thing you ever saw at a state sale, Dan? Anything that comes to mind? 
the most interesting thing at, at an estate sale. I don't know. I mean, they'd auction anything, anything, any personal property. I mean, they would they would sell a house, they would sell the land, they would sell you know whatever you had in your closet. You don't have auctions out. I guess you don't have auctions out there. Nothing I guess like it's that. pretty I much mean, a Midwestern thing. Yeah, it's definitely a Midwestern. I've seen them. So what mm-hmm. we see it's out here, in New York. what we see out here are more common uh, police auctions where they when they uh, auction off bicycles and different things that oh, the police the have confiscated. That they have. Yeah, yeah, I've seen They're those. I think, yeah, and I sure. think, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, but uh, every. Mm-hmm. It, you know, every weekend, I mean, practically every weekend, you know, it, it's, you know, it's pretty much a warm weather, you know, occurrence, you know, mm-hmm. that we get like the lady, you know, the, the social club from the church to, you know, fix, uh, you know, food for sale, you know, that the ladies would bring pies and they, you know, sell hamburgers, hot dogs, barbecue sandwiches, uh-huh. sodas, mm-hmm. you know, they would put a tin up and they would sell you know, food at these auctions, and then, you know, you would mill around, you look at, you know, what they'd have for sale. Of course, now, I know they're doing more internet sales of, you know, estate sales, but, uh, right. you know, that's what, fairly common now. What big yeah. out here are garage sales and swap meets and mm-hmm. those types of things where people want to unload stuff? That's generally how they do it. I, I just don't see too many auctioneers. On the block yeah. mm-hmm. We had auctions in New York, estate mm-hmm. auctions, some of the really big old houses. And the elderly people were no longer living there, and I guess their kids were deciding what to do. And there were some really nice items, and they were auctioned. They, they didn't have price tags on them. They were auctioned. So if you wanted something really bad, you might have to a lot more than you anticipated but there were some wonderful things I picked up I picked up listen to me I found a blanket (laughs) chest an oak blanket chest carved oak and I got it for a song it was such a pretty chest and I hope the people were happy that I gave it a good home because it was such a beautiful item and I don't know I paid maybe 10 or 12 dollars for it it certainly was worth much more than that but nobody wanted a blanket chest except me. I, I, and I, I, I lost it. I lost a couple of things in an auction in the Midwest. You, you lost did? Mm-hmm. Meaning you lost out on them or you lost them, they disappeared? They disappeared because uh, I asked them to set the family to set aside. When my, uncle Wal- uh-huh. when my Uncle Walden passed away, they did an auction back in the Midwest for his home. Mm-hmm. And I told two things to grab. Uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, was the Republican delegate for the famous 1920s Republican convention, presidential convention, where, if you recall, that is the, that's where, the, the, where they used to make the deal with the smoke-filled back, smoke back room. That's where that convention was coined. And those congressional bucket, buckets in the early 80s were going for $20,000 apiece. Wow. Uh, family think they accidentally left it out, left it on the table for an auction. So we, we that. (laughs) 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 They said Walden. They said Walden who? (laughs) 
alligator sound. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And boy, can mom hear them. Wowzers. And the other thing. If we hear the other thing. If we hear knocking at the door, we'll know it's a mama alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for babysitting with my kids. Could I have them now, please? <laughs> and the other thing, my, my mom grandmother shall be my... There's more. Oh, oh yeah. Edna. Oh, my. Edna was a character. She, in, the, in the mid-30s, she lost... Her husband was the one who went to, to the U.S. Senate in Nebraska and was killed. And so... Um, she, for the 30s, she would be the one going on banana boats to, to South America on her own to travel, to see the world. She was a big a character. She was the one that would m- tell her grandkids, which was my mom and my Uncle Jim, it's okay for you to stand up in my, my in my, uh, conv- com- my, uh, my car, the one with the the open top. What, what do you call those? Mm-hmm. So convertible. Uh, yeah, convertible. So here, my grand, my the grandma, the great the grandmother driving around small town in the cover, and her grandkids are standing up through the windows, waving to the people. You know, they, they <laughs> 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 this was Edna. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm not drinking regular coffee. Some of it is decaffeinated. Not so, all of it. So Edna, so, happy, happy. so Edna was a, was on the Diamond Neal Breakfast Club. And I said, you, "Wow!" Yeah, and she said, and they they gave her a record of the recording. I said, "Find that," because I would oh, be something. No. They couldn't find that, so I don't know if that oh, went on an no. auction. So anyway, so there's two things I've watched. Did anybody give you a shotgun? But it seems appropriate under the circumstances. But I think, you know what, they did bring home for me. I can't wait. Every family should have one of these. A dead orange. Oh, <laughs> what? A six-foot-tall <laughs> six snowman. What? Yes, well, my Uncle Wad and Aunt Kalu, um were host Christmas parties. And Uncle Wad had one of these snowmen that shoveled snows, and 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 was you know went back and forth with the lights and everything, and so they would always have that out. So uh-huh. they bought that home for me. At least my only question what you didn't get. <laughs> my, my only question are you are you sure that was snow? <laughs> <laughs> Not in California, it wasn't you know, but <laughs> it had, you know, but at least he was a big big boy. Dear me. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, I have to ask you a question before we disappear here. Yes. The theme for tonight, did you or your family ever wind up buying a product because it sponsored sponsored a program you loved, radio or television or anything? And I'm using Walden as my example. This poor kid ate Wheaties. He hated Wheaties, and he ate them anyway because Jack Armstrong said Wheaties was good for him. No, I can't say that we ever bought a product that, you know, that was advertised. We we pretty much had our likes, what we liked and what we didn't like. So, no, I can't say that we did. Okay. Piece of sanity here. No. Thank you, Ken. Exactly. Now, exactly. Now, just like so you won't. Now, Dan, do you just like so you won't buy Maxwell House coffee. 
Okay. What well, do oh, you still oh, do? You, you is there something you would not buy because it sponsored a show you didn't like? I can't think of anything. No. Do you still use Johnson's? We, do you still use Johnson's wax? I was just going to ask about Johnson's wax. Yeah. I think from certainly it couldn't have been because you ate Wheaties. This. <laughs> There was some benefit, and even if you didn't like the product. Oh, yeah. But I think Johnson's Wax probably came out on the top of the pile with good results from the advertising that they did on Fibber McGee and Molly. Right. I think they were absolute on top. So, so is this called branding? If if you need a, if you both of you still need a full wax today, would you buy Johnson's Wax just to, as a salute to Fermigui and Maui, even though they haven't been sponsored by Fermigui and Maui in the last 63 years? I would buy it because it's a good product, and I actually looked for it not terribly long ago, and I couldn't find any. Really? Really. I'm sure it's still made. I'm sure it's still made. I My store just didn't carry it. I guess nobody cleans <laughs> floors here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was going. I mean, you, you get an apartment for goodness sakes. It is, you know, it's it's not exactly the high end anything in an apartment. And I was going to wax the floors with Johnson's wax because I know it's good. And I actually would have preferred the paste wax in the in like butcher wax cans. Mm-hmm. I would have settled for glow coat, and I had to settle for nothing. My store did Clean. not carry it. Clean floors. I doubt if many people could find the floor. What? I think people might have messy homes. Oh, well, I guess a lot of them do. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not Susie Homemaker here, but I. I really want you, you, a shiny floor. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not my mom, who Patricia. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your mom is one of a kind. Mama Hughes is good on house cleaning. She has. She cleans every day. Five days a week. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> and everything else about her. Exactly. I do not do that. I argued with myself about doing laundry today. Uh-huh. I won. We almost do laundry every day here. Well, I'm only one person. you got three guys out there. <laughs> I do laundry at least twice a week. I do laundry exactly. when I run out of stuff. You, okay, I, I, now we know we know how, how often Patricia makes a bed. We do beds here at Friday. Dan, do you you have a routine when you have to decide to put on new sheets on your bed? You wait, or you just you wait like Patricia, or you do it systematically? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait I a do minute. it about <laughs> once a month. Once a month. <laughs> You're giving away yeah. my secrets here. I do it once a year at least, whether it needs it or not. Well, that's what I mean. You, you determine when you want to do it, you know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Big bed, little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Mama does it every Friday around here. Every Friday? Yeah, every Friday. Hmm. Now, does she hang the sheets out on the uh, clothesline? Not anymore. Not since the 70s. We, we, we have clothes rack in the garage. But uh-huh. we, we have we have dryers in the, in the garage, so we're, we're we're a dryer family now. Hey, that's my bedroom. Well, I, I know, but we should have the dryer is in my bedroom. Yeah, yeah, and the treadmill there, and a, and a refrigerator. And you mean Patricia could exercise? 
And we hey. have moved. We have hey. moved. We have moved a Bose stereo system out there for you, Patricia. Ooh, I have a Bose radio and CD player, but it only plays one CD because it's it's an old one. And I now that I don't have a television, I should trade it out. Just oh, this one's a move five. the television somewhere and this, put my Bose up there. This, this is a five. A beautiful. It's a five CD changer, but the turntable and the AMF radio and the nice big Bose system are all are there for you. But it's in with the dryer and the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a spin. Is the car in there? Of you. No. The cars are out. <laughs> the, the cars are not in the, in the garage. There's, there's a saying in Florida, of course, we don't have basements. <laughs> and when people move here, they tend to forget that you don't have that extra storage space. So they show up with trucks, uh, trucks loaded with stuff, and get in the house and say, now what are we going to do with this? So it winds up in the garage. And the saying is, we are the only people who will have a $40,000 vehicle in the driveway, in the weather, in order to have a garage full of junk. Makes sense, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, the common sense. You park in a driveway and you drive on a parkway type thing. Yeah. So, okay, Dan. Well, you all behave yourself. And, I um, will. You're probably going to get more out of this hurricane than we are. We're not going to get anything. But the weather people and NOAA people are saying, let's see, it says, um, Category 4 storm beginning to turn north on Saturday afternoon on a track that puts Jamaica, Haiti, and eastern Cuba at risk. Well, they are no longer at risk. They're going to get hammered. Oh, gosh. It's too bad. Oh, yeah, too oh bad. my goodness. You know, in Jamaica, they've got mountains in Jamaica, so there's some protection in some areas. But um, how, how, is Walden's, uh, how is Walden's fire situation? My what situation? Your fire? fire? My tire. Wildfire? Conflagrations. The um, the wildfires. Oh, I didn't know we had any. I yeah, thought you, you had one. No. Out there. No. I thought you said last week you had one. We were we were in we were in fire warning because of the weather being really dry, but the fire did not break out. You oh, know. so you had a red flag warning. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we were dry enough that it could be a potential, but it did not show up. So. We uh yes, you know I think last Monday was it last Monday or the Monday before for John Lloyd, it was 110 degrees, and wow. you know I was 84. You know what can I say? But yes, but no, we all good, all good, Dan. We had a 14 degree difference in Louisville between my home and Louisville the other night. It wow. was 80 in Louisville and uh, 66 out at my house. That's amazing. It is Boy, amazing. Yes, it that's is a spread. A yes. Okay, well, well, I you... really, I really enjoyed listening to you and Celeste last week. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, best, yes. best when they start working on my grammar. Can you imagine that? Those two ladies working on. Boy, my they grammar. were, they were, they were, were double tough. teaming you last week. Oh well, it we, was tough. we've really got some good stuff for this week. I hope she calls in. 
Yes. I'm going to hang up and let, hopefully she will call in. Well, you can do this. Okay. We will put her right there on Skype. Well, we're going to put, okay. we, we're going to put Fred on next. He's ready to, he's ready to be the next person. So. Is he there? Uh, okay. I will bring him in. So let me, let me uh, hang up on everybody and I'll bring Fred in and bring you back, Patricia. So here we go. Oh, everybody. I have to hang up too. Uh-huh. Good night, Dan. Good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jaws Professional plus 1810 tab. Skype trademark left tab. Online select tab. Walton Hughes dollar tab. Search edit. Act favorite. Unread Carolyn Martin. Ed Clute. Patricia from Bill Bragg. Enter Bill Bragg. and call button. All tab. Skype trade tab. Online tab. Walton Hughes tab. Search edit. Tab. See updates for tab. Call mobiles and land space. Call phones. Enter number edit. 802 Matt Rovner Mobile plus 12062802502 Enter plus 1802247672 Tab Insert a mo- tab call button Tab Add the crew Enter plus 1802247672 Bill Bragg See what this will work here on Yesterday USA. I'm hoping we got Fred coming up soon. Hello. Here you are. Okay, let me get Patricia. Okay. All tab plus one eight zero two two four seven six. All tab plus one eight zero two. All tab plus one. All tab. Skype trade tab. Create a new tab. Add a new tab. Recent link tab plus one eight zero tab plus one eight zero two tab. Unread messages. Frank Rassi. Unread messages. John Gassman. Unread mess. Unread messages. Frank Rassi. Bill Bragg. Patricia from FL Home. Phone applications. Contact. Send. Invite to enter. Leaving menus. Plus one eight. Unloading job. Cancel. Okay, enter. Alright. See if we'll get Patricia here. This is good. This gives her her little coffee break, you know. Are we back? We're back. Yeah, we have Fred here. We have Fred the Squirrel here. Yes, Hi, Fred. No. Uh, how, is, how is your castless ankle? Good. We're getting still. Day by day. I am so glad. Yeah, we're getting there. And and but, I'll just hold my breath here. Have you been out driving? Yes. Yeah, well, I have. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, doing all right. Although, are you, are you able upset, to? A little upset Friday coming home from work. What happened? The guy pulled right out in front of me. I had to hit my brakes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. I wasn't happy. <laughs> oh, see, those are the kinds of things that I worry about. I yeah. worry about everybody. I hang up and say, okay, I've got all my worries for the week, and you're <laughs> at the top of the list. Yeah, I'm all right. It worked. It hurt a little bit, but I put the brakes on. It worked. What's the closest I'm, call I'm you ever so had behind the wheel, Fred? Any, any, do you ever had any close calls where somebody break right on top of you or anything like that? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, most drivers probably have, but um, I've actually, I'm trying to think, the only accident I've ever really been in as a driver, the 
thought about it, it was my fault. Uh-oh. Now, I... Remember how you cut corners? Like, like I was pulling off one street to another. Mm-hmm. I've done it a thousand times before, and uh, the road comes up to a T, and I just did it one day without paying attention, and there was a car right there waiting to come on the other road, and I just mm-hmm. hit it, like, Cut right into it, you know. Crunch. Yeah, yeah. We'll find a better at ten miles an hour. I've had, I've had a couple of times though, like when I was younger, I had one really close call that I'll never forget. Um, ever forget? I mean, it, it scared the heck out of me. Uh, it was. I, I had to be late twenties, early thirties. Uh-huh. And I was coming back from work, and at the time I had two jobs, so it was weekends were like my only time, because I lived with a client, and then that was basically a 24-7 job, except during the day, he had day service, so I I got another job at at a school. And I was coming home from the school job, it was Friday, my weekend was starting, I was anxious to get home. And I follow this person. I couldn't pass him. All down this 22A for I don't know a half hour. And they're going. They're putting along. I couldn't get by them. And they, 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 there's this road coming up where I cut over to another road, and then I'm home. Well, they took that right, and they're cutting over on that road too. So I'm getting impatient. And we get to the top of what a hill, and there's a big long straightaway after the hill. But the hill was kind of steep, um, sharp, you know, so you can't really, you couldn't really see over totally over the other side of the hill. But all I saw was this big long straightaway, and there was nothing coming. So I pulled out the pass. Finally, like, finally, my chance to pass. I pull out the pass, and I get right up beside this car, and all of a sudden, there's a car coming right at me. Ah. I'm like, and I'm freaking, and I, and I froze. Yeah. I don't know who was in that other car, but they did some driving. I'll tell you what. And, uh, we didn't even touch. Nothing happened, uh, and I didn't stop. I just kept going, freaking, shaking, because I knew... That other driver wanted to pound the living daylights out of me because I would have wanted to have. <laughs> yeah. he, he somehow he missed me. Went up, up, up. Like a guy's lawn. I can see this whole thing happen in my mirror. And, and there was a fence there. He, he pulled it back before he hit that fence. And, and there was a little ditch there, too. How that ditch didn't flip him, I don't know. And then he came back onto the road and a fish tail that came to a stop. I'll never wow. forget it. Wow, that's scary. I, I, I didn't pass a car for five years after that. At all. I mean, I, I don't care. If, I didn't care. If yeah. I could see for 10 miles. I never. I just didn't pass another car for a very long time. It, it scared mm. me so much. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it can... I had one of them... And I went to pass a drunk driver one night. He was doing 
between 15 and 20 miles an hour. It was in a passing zone. I yeah. stayed behind yeah. him, made sure he was, you know, drifting over to the correct side. I pulled out to pass him, and he stepped on the gas. Oh. I stepped on the brakes to go back in. He stepped on the brakes. He stayed parallel with me until a car came came toward us. And I, I guess it was his wife in the car. She must have grabbed the, the steering wheel because two of us, two cars, would have been, we would have been demolished, just absolutely demolished. And I was ready to take him out, just move over and, you know, hit him on the side, bump him on the side to let the other car get past me. It wasn't right. a very wide road. But I finally managed to get past him. He slowed down enough that I could get past. I mean, I was leaning on my heart. What a scary feeling. What a, and the poor guy in the car coming toward me. I had no place to go. You felt trapped. Yes. It, it, was, it was just terrifying. So, I, honest to goodness, Fred, I understand. Well, and, the, and the weird thing about it is my friend, that very same day, what, and I don't, nobody got hurt, thank God, but was in a head on was in a head on collision. Ooh. Yeah, and he had kids like four, three, four kids with him, and nobody was hurt. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure the story there. He said it was definitely his fault. Probably the same type of thing. Probably pulled out and passed somebody. But yeah, it was. I can't imagine that. Even yours would be even scarier because what a helpless feeling. I mean, I felt helpless it was. too. I was like. I, I thought, when I saw the other car, I was like, I'm done. And I froze. And thank God I did freeze, because he was able, I was able to react, let him react. Yeah. Because if I did, if I tried to react and he reacted, I probably would have tried to go the same way. Yeah. And probably would have hit each other. <laughs> That's exactly right. I read that. Not no. terribly long ago, and it makes a whole lot of sense, but when you see somebody coming at you, your tendency is to pull to the right yeah. to get out of his way, and that's exactly the way the other person would pull. Right. Looking at you, trying to get around to the other side, it eventually, between the, because the two of you are taking evasive action that counters each other, you'd wind up in a collision because you took evasive action. And I did not. I and you did not. <laughs> and you did not. And I don't. I. I have no idea how we managed to get out of this. It. It. It was just. It was the scariest thing that ever happened to me on the road. And as with you, I don't pass. So I, I'll stay behind a tractor, tootling along at five or six miles an hour. I do not pass anymore. I just don't. The only time I'll even, you know, I mean, I'm going on the interstate or something, but. Mm-hmm. That's different. You've different. got multiple lanes, yeah. Exactly. What about, what about tailgating? Is there a little nerve wracking when somebody's really on, tight on your bumper? Ooh. Oh, I can't oh, yeah. stand it. Oh, yes. I got creamed. Yeah. Oh, well, you did? You got destroyed. hit? Yeah. yeah, destroyed my car, somebody who was tailgating. And the guy ahead of me stopped short, and I stopped short, and the guy in behind me. Hadn't even applied his brakes. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness, yes. That, yes. That's scary, too. Yeah, that happened so to my now brother. Now we have cheered each other up. <laughs> that, that happened to my brother. He, uh, he was going through town and looking at something, 
and I, I, I don't even to the day, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but the person in front of him stopped that. He wasn't paying attention. Mm. Slammed right in without breaking. Uh, again, nobody was hurt. But. Well, my poor little car was demolished, and the guy got out of his car. He said, I just did this last week and got my car back yesterday. <laughs> I thought, you know, is, is this sending any messages to you? Upset because he just got his car back. My car is demolished, and I'm. Oh dear. Oh, dear. Did, did, you, did you guys have? Did you guys have? I did, a, I did break my back one time, though. That was probably the worst ever oh. in a car. I fell asleep at the wheel. That was not good. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it was the best oh. car I ever had in my life. It was a beautiful oh. car. Much better Black to destroy a keyboard if you fall asleep. And I was lucky, too, because I went right across a major highway. So if something had been coming, you know, I would have had a head-on collision. And I did. Nothing was coming, thank God. I went all the way across into a ditch and hit a tree. The tree stopped me. Mm. Uh, that was... Mm-mm. Yeah, that was a long time ago, too. Okay, let me ask you. Oh. Let's make a pie of experience. The first time you both drive. Did you guys have mm-hmm. Did you guys have butterflies? Were you a little excited? Yeah, I almost hit a bridge. I almost hit a bridge. I almost hit a bridge. I'll never forget that. <laughs> you almost hit, hit a, a bridge? bridge? Yeah, it was a train trestle thing. We were. I'll never forget it. We're going to my. We're going to pick up my brother at his girlfriend's house. No, we were going to visit him. That was what it was. He was already married. I'm sorry, and. He just gotten married, and we're going to go visit him. And uh, he was living in Florence, and it was a back road type thing. And, and I'm in the back seat with my younger brother, my mom and dad are in the front seat. We pull off this major highway onto a back road like we're going to his house. And his house is probably you know, maybe two miles from there. And I just got my permit like a week earlier. And he pulled, we pulled over, and Dad's like, you want to drive? I went, what? Does you want to drive? And I'm like, yeah, I want to drive. <laughs> I'm excited. And we're coming up to this trestle. And at this last second, Dad grabbed the wheel and whipped it over to the left, and I almost hit it. Like a train trestle. A train would go over the top. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, one of those deals. Oh, bad. <laughs> I wasn't driving. I wasn't going very fast. And I and I bet your father had a few things. <laughs> oh no, actually, he didn't yell at all. He just no, said, I don't no, mean, no. You don't want to do that. You want to keep it over this way when you go through one of these things. Keep it in the middle. Oh, <laughs> bless his heart. I would have expected him to say nothing, but also never give you the keys. Uh, oh no, no, he was he was very good about teaching me. Wow. You know. wow. Before I had drivers, Ed. I could I could drive pretty well. And the thing is, I was actually, I was driving what we call, it was a doom buggy when I was like 10 years old. We called it a rupster. And it was like a picture of a fiberglass doom buggy, two-seater, without the roll cages, without the bars. Without, oh boy. Okay. You know what I mean? One of those deals. Without the roll bar, yes. I, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, and I used to drive that thing all over creation. My best friend lives also 
He lived right up the road from me, but he also lived, you could go through the woods to his house. There was trails. Mm-hmm. And I would take that thing to his house all the time, and we'd go out riding for you know, all over the place. So I was a fairly good driver as far as, far as going forward goes. This thing had no reverse. A four-wheeler putt-putt, I mean, I've realized that they can go pretty fast, but boy, that's, that's a whole lot different from a car. Oh, it is, but he's still... The whole driving, braking, gas pedal things all the same. Uh-huh. And I never, never know. learned to drive a standard. To this day, I can't drive a standard. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I'm going up on you. With my arthritis, I never even, oh, never God, even desired to learn how to drive of one. Course. I'm one up on you. That's all I drive. Is it? I'll tell you, it's, it cuts, uh, like when you're looking for a brand, it makes it hard when you're looking for a car. Especially if I never buy a brand new because I can't afford it. So I basically have to look for deals. And that cuts what you're looking for right in half. I mean, there's no still kidding. Just, yeah. I, I mean, had to wait and wait and wait for a car with standard shift to come in down here. Did you? They're all over up here. They, they kept oh. saying, are you sure you can drive this? Are you sure you can drive these things? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not your problem. The answer is yes, I can drive it, but it's not your problem. I'm going to pay for a car. Exactly. <laughs> are, are, are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> we got them all over up here. It's probably because it's more rural driving. Well, because of the snow, of course. It's easier to yeah. get out of snowbanks in a standard shift, which is when I started of course, you know, my first car was standard shift, and I just never stopped. But I was in snow country, and I was the one who always got out of trouble in the snow because I had standard shift. You can rock yeah. a standard shift. You cannot rock an automatic. You tear your transmission apart. No, that's true. Um, it's but I can't imagine having a standard in like a big, like in a, in a, in a urban area, though. Very well, constantly, you're right. Constantly, <laughs> constantly. That would drive me crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really isn't too bad because traffic tends to move, but I got caught on the interstate a couple of times, and it was move three feet, stop. Move oh. seven feet, Stop. Yeah. I want to tell you that was the day I decided the next time I get a car, it is not going to be a standard shift, and, and <laughs> it'll break, it'll break my track record. But that that was my turning point. Yeah, it was I mean, terrible. It was nice. Mile after mile after mile after mile, it was terrible. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, even even areas where you got you know tons of red lights. Mm-hmm. You're constantly shifting, constantly shifting. Yeah. Like no thanks, um, but no, I just never learned because, like I said, I, I never thought physically I couldn't drive half of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I just never bothered. And you have, because of where you live, have the opposite problem of what I had, having to wait for a standard shift car because nobody wants them, and yeah. you yeah. have to squirrel around looking for a, an automatic. And, and there are, course, yeah, there are, mm-hmm. there are quite a few automatics too, but it's it's like fifty fifty. Yeah, I, I was just going yeah. to say you are quite right that it cuts down your options. 
Because you're in a part of the country where standard shift works. And I learned, too, a long time ago that uh, if you're going to buy private, you're better off. If you're going to buy used, you're better off going for a private deal than going through a dealer. Mm. Yeah. Unless you're going to buy high-end used, Mm -hmm. you know, like two or three years old. Yeah. And then you might get a fairly good deal through a dealer, but even then you're better off for a private sale. Well, you know, actually, we don't buy used cars; we buy pre-owned cars out here. Oh, we well, pre-loved. <laughs> pre-loved. Yeah, that's what, pre-loved. Yeah, that's what, yes. That's what they call them here too. Very pre-owned. emotional in this part of the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they call they we call throw them ourselves into our. Yeah. Yeah, they call them that here too. The dealers do. Yeah, pre-owned. Pre-loved. <laughs> yeah. I know a car trick, though, financial trick that, uh, you know, your viewers might, want, might be interested in, actually. It's a simple thing, but probably a lot of them do it already. Um, but what I tend to do is I have a car fund, and and what I do is I, I, I you know, put a certain amount of money away every month towards my savings. Mm-hmm. And part of that becomes for my car, my next car. And what happens when it comes time to buy a car is I don't necessarily spend that money. But what I do with that money is I will put it in a, a certain savings account and I'll borrow off it instead of borrowing off the car. Oh, okay. So. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah, so if I have $4,000, I'll put it in a savings account, and I'll go mm-hmm. to the bank and say, okay, I want to borrow $3,800 on, on a personal loan, you know, on mm-hmm. a secured. And what it does for me is it does a couple of things. Number one, the interest rates are a heck of a lot lower. Right. Yes. Okay. Secondly, I don't have to buy all that extra insurance when I buy the car. I don't have to buy, I don't have to get collision and all that stuff because the car mm-hmm. is not So it saves me a ton there too. And basically what happens is when I go in let's say I go in and make my payments, let's say they're they're, they're usually a lot lower. Uh, I usually get them for under a hundred bucks a month if I'm doing like three thousand or something like that mm-hmm. for So I go in up there and say I pay eighty five bucks for my principal payment. Well, you know, any one of that is probably principal. And what that does is if that $4,000, that $3,800 becomes frozen, but every time I pay $85, 81 of that becomes available to me. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, you're paying the interest every month, and that's it. You're paying the rest of it. You're paying yourself mm-hmm. back. You're paying, you're paying yourself back, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. That's, it sounds, uh, it, it's so simple. It's genius. I, when I first did it, I was... Patted myself on the back the first time I did it for a car. I was like, "This is the way I'm going to do this from now on. This is going to make so much more sense." That and you still so got that money there. So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, when you're done paying for your car, if you keep saving, you can build it up. So next time you might have you might have six thousand in that account, or and yes. you can always. I have done it before where I put some money down. So you know, say I buy a five thousand dollar car, I might take. I have you know whatever in my account, mm-hmm. I might take a couple thousand and pay it down to get, and then borrow the three or something like that. 
Yes. So wh but, how how far back do you buy a used car? No, you would look for one that was two, three years old, four years old, whatever. No, I I can't afford those. Okay, so five, I, ten. I'm, right now I'm driving a two thousand. Okay. Hey, I, I generally pay between. I like to pay between. Uh, oh, anywhere from twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars. Okay. Well, you're looking probably at a ten to fifteen year old car. Got it. Um. But again, it depends on what you can find. I, I, you know, yeah, this car I just bought, uh -huh. I paid seventeen hundred dollars for cash. I, this one I didn't borrow any money; I just paid for it straight out, straight down. I paid seventeen hundred dollars cash for it. It was a friend's father who had passed. It had seventy three thousand miles on it. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think deal. I can drive this thing for five years easily. So, in your mind, do you hope to get five years out of most new cars? What's in your mind when you're buying that old? Is that your goal, to get five years out of it? Or, or do you... Yeah, three to, three to five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the problem with the cars up here is that it's, it's the body. They rust to hell. because oh, of all, yes, the the all the weather. All the roads yeah. and all that, yeah. Yeah. What, and, do, you try, then, you what do people do to try to prevent? Are there anything they can do to prevent? Prevent that? Yeah, you can, uh, and I try to do it every year. You can get what they, they can undercoat it. Mm. They spray it with oil. Is it Z-Bar? Is it Z-Bar? Yes, it, it's, I guess, I think they, 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 like, spray the underneath of your car with oil. Yeah, yeah. they, they coat supposed, it. Yeah. yeah and for, to, I don't oh. know how it happens, but it, it's not only in a coating, it actually adheres to the parts and gives them some insulation against the crud that you kick up in the wintertime that wow. they put on the road. Right. Uh, who would do that? Normally the, your local gasoline station or who who would be the one that you would... Yeah, yeah a garage. A garage. Okay. Mechanic, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of people who specialize in it, yeah. Um, do you put on your own... You, you drive us a change on the, on the tires? Oh, I, I usually drive all seasons. This this car, though, came with a set of brand new winter tires, so I'm going to go through the pain in the butt of changing them over and then changing them back. Yeah. Uh, but usually I, 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 I find all seasons work fine. You know, you, 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 I, wouldn't, I wouldn't drive around here with summer tires in the winter. No, uh, oh, not not there. No, 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 no. Not a good no, idea. No, 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 so no, no, what, no, no. For no. a California kid, what winter t are they thicker or they have more tread on them? What what's a uh, winter yeah. tire? Yeah, the they, they have more grip. They have uh, thicker treads, like okay. chains. You know what I mean? They're 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 they got they got more grip to them. Okay. So they. They dig down harder into the into the ice and the road and stuff, but they're not good. Like you wouldn't want to drive with them in the summer because they they tear the hell out of your gas mileage for one thing, and they're not necessarily safe on bare roads. Oh. Because of I'm not sure the exact why. I was always told by because I, I never understood that. I I could always when I was growing up I never and I still don't quite get that. I I get it I get it better than I did. 
But when I was growing up, I said, okay, I understand why you can't drive with summer tires in the winter. But what's wrong with driving with winter tires in the summer? <laughs> I never uh, got what that was. It tears up the pavement. Yes, it does. There's, there is so much grip on those tires that it actually yeah. damages pavement. It's actually illegal to drive with that and drive with a summer mm-hmm. tire. Yeah. The studded yeah. tires are the ones that are traditionally illegal after you, a particular date on the calendar. I didn't know about regular snow tires, though. Huh. Like, well, that, I'm not sure. It could be just a studded. I'm thinking would it be that. like April 1? When would they generally want you to sw- swap out? I don't know. Okay. Probably as soon as there's no danger of any more snow. Which in Vermont could be July. Yeah, I don't know what. I really don't. Yeah, right. You could have snow in the middle of July up there. Um, exactly. I don't know what the threshold is, Walden. That's a good question. I don't know either. That's a good question. I think it probably varies. Are there, um, are, are there, are there more than one type of chain for a tire? I mean, are, are, you know, are they basically the same? Or are there some are thicker, some are thinner? You know, when people put chains on tires. I have never put chains on my tires, so uh-huh. I don't really, I don't really answer the that. The only question. time I have seen chains on a vehicle is on loaded 18 wheelers. Yeah. I, I remember my dad putting t- chains on tires. Maybe that's a. And I think. Maybe that's and a I think my, Yeah, and I think my. Uh, certainly, my grandparents grew up with that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, but, those of us who drive standard shift cars. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what I did wash my mouth out with soap. I'll tell you what I did used to do when I, I used to drive a pickup truck. Yeah. And in the winter, I would load the back of that with sand. Ah, okay. It would weight in the because back, otherwise, yeah. You got your extra traction. Well, it didn't have a heck of a lot of weight back there to begin with, so oh, you did a very oh. good thing. Yep. That, was, that is an invitation to fishtail. Yes, it is. Yes, and written, uh, engraved, <laughs> personally delivered. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I love driving in the winter, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't like driving in the roads, but I like... My dear, after your stories tonight, we're just going to keep you in the house. <laughs> period. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> I'm a pretty going safe driver. to get out and drive in anything. I'm actually a real safe driver, though. I, I probably... I've been driving for... 30 years, and I think the only, those are the only two accidents, the two accidents that go to about tonight are the only two I've ever been in as a driver. And one, like I said, and they, were, and they were both my fault. You know, one was had a bender and then uh, falling asleep at the wheel. Mm. Um, That's scary. That, that, but that, again, the, the last one was, the falling asleep at the wheel, that was, God, that was almost 20 years ago Boy, now. Waking up and wrapped around a tree is not the way. Oh, it was scary. <laughs> it, isn't. it was scary. Mm-hmm. I woke up. I was still in the ditch, actually going. I was still moving like, when I woke up. And it was like, I hit the brake and out of instinct, and I'm going through this ditch flying. And the tree didn't look that big, and it didn't seem that big of a deal when I hit. <laughs> At all, it's just that everything in the back ended up in the front. Thank God I had my seatbelt on. Um, wow. I would have I kissed the windshield. I know I would have. But, yeah, that was that was a, that was a wake-up call right there. It was like, I had no that, was your, that was your second one. Yeah, no that was your of, third uh, one. 
Student had come drive and see you, Fred. She doesn't want you on the street to protect you. <laughs> I am the driver, I'm telling you. Considering <laughs> some of the drivers I've seen around here, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I have to figure out how to catch a little froggy here. Like that person today, uh, Friday, that pulled out in front of me. It's a froggy in the that. kitchen? Where's the froggy at, Patricia? Yeah, the froggy's in um, where my books are, in my library. Ah. Oh, he's got a I don't know how they get in. Every once in a while, I'll get a little frog. Uh-huh. He's not that, hurting anything. That would freak me out. Really? I don't like oh, he's not hurting anything. I'll tell you what. I had a big toad in here one night, and I didn't. Oh, it, it was one of those. You know, I heard a little noise, and I thought, well, you know, I packaged up the, the garbage to take it out the next day, and sometimes you get a little crackle, and it settles, and I'm falling asleep, and I wake up again, and there's that little noise. And about two minutes later, something jumped onto my leg in bed. Oh. <laughs> it was huge. It was the size of my fist. I have not ever seen a frog that big. So I had to, and I did. I captured him, and I put him outside. I did a good thing. Yeah. But it, yeah. it, was, it was a little unnerving to have a big frog jump on you in the middle of the night. Yeah, I can imagine like, oh. This one's only little. He's just a little guy. Oh, well, you know, Moses sent the frogs out there to the Egyptians, Patricia. It's always happened before. Oh, I'll never forget the time my mom was chasing a pet. <laughs> I'm going to laugh about it, thinking about it now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny to her. She was freaking out. But she was chasing a bat around the house. Oh, <gasps> oh my. Oh. Oh, God. Trying to get it outside. I'll never forget it. it. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. Oh, I'll take my frog any day. Yeah, she got it out. She got the darn thing out. It took a while. She's like a picture. Still had, she had that she had a broom. They traveled by sonar. She probably broke his sonar. She might have. I don't know. I, I remember, I don't even know how it got in. It probably got in through the attic, would be my guess. Yeah. She, she wanted to get something. We call it an attic. We got this extra room that's kind of not insulated that hangs off the mm -hmm. side of And uh, they get it up under the rafters. Yeah. She opened the door, I'm sure, and flew in. <laughs> and we, they're not, that's kind of a sad thing, though, because they're not around anymore. I don't know if it's that white nose disease. Or, I mean, they're, they're, when we were kids, they at night there would be bats be everywhere at, at dusk. They'd be just flying really? out. Really? Yeah, they'd be all over the place. It was part of growing up here. When 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 the sun went down, the bats came out and they would be flying all over, killing mosquitoes and whatnot. You know, and it was always the the rumor they're going to get caught in your hair and all this. Everybody would freak out. Uh, but they were always around at dark, and I can remember. 
like playing baseball outside and stuff when white the, the sun would start going down, the bats would come out. Now you hardly ever see any. Mm. That's why we're probably where we got so many mosquitoes. They're hiding in wait for you, Fred. I think they're dying. It's a sad thing. Oh, they probably they, are. Sorry, yeah. what, what, bees? Aren't bees dying all over the United States? Are, are yes, the honeybees. Honeybees. Not good. Not you know, I mean, good. I'm, not, I'm not a big bat fan, but I'd rather have bats flying around than 300,000 mosquitoes carrying that <laughs> Zuka virus or whatever they got. I, I didn't realize <laughs> until we had this breakout with the mosquitoes that mosquitoes only live four days. Yeah, they're, they're worthless. <laughs> they they live to breed and die. They're worthless. They're not worthless. They're good it, bird food. They are worthless. Birds can eat worms. They don't need mosquitoes. And if they're so good bird food, why don't they eat more than the pigs? <laughs> Robins eat worms. I realized just this week from some reading that blue jays are carnivorous. They eat other birds. But... That's, oh, that's really? most, of, most of the other birds eat bugs and seeds and stuff like that there. Well, so they eat, eat more bugs and seeds and stuff like that there. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll work on it. bugs going around here. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. All right. Well, your mission for the week is to stay safe. And... Um, Oh, and by the way, your, your calendar report, the tops of the leaves are starting to turn. Oh, they are. Oh, my goodness. The very tops of the trees are starting, so I imagine they're probably turning even more up on the mountain. Can you imagine it's October already, everybody? I know. I know. Amazing. It's scary. See, Walden talks about we're almost to the holidays, and, and we go nuts about driving in snow. <laughs> Look what you made us do, Walden. <laughs> How about those Red Sox, Wallace? Hey, 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 what do you think? How far? Um, I, I think it's going to be the Red Sox and Cubs in the World Series, Fred. I do, too. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. You know, I had to do it, Patricia. I had to. You know, Red Sox and Cubs. Are you going yep. to fall for the Cubbies, Patricia? No. Oh, oh, okay. So well, say, I'm no just way. wondering. It's been since 1908. Will you fall for the Cubbies? Yeah, will you fall for the little Cubbies? They won a World Series in 110 years. You know? Oh, that's right. It's it's their turn. It's their turn. They've tried so hard. If they play the Red Sox, the hell with that. They're waiting this long. They can wait another darn year. It ain't going to hurt them any. I, I, want to, I want to impress you with something. Please, please. I want to impress you with something. Who replaced Harry Carey? Oh, what a good question. All right, so, no, 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 no. That was, that was your cue to say, whoa, she knew who Harry Carey was. Well, that was impressive, too. But the fact that you knew who replaced him is even more impressive. Yes, and he was a cubby. Mm-hmm. And he oh, was so in there and sing, really. take me out to the ball game. Wow. It wasn't Vince Kelly. I don't know. Do you know the answer? I, I don't know the answer. That was really a question. 
Oh, I thought you knew the answer. No, I'm not. no, no. I just wanted you to be impressed that I knew who Harry Carey was in this association. Oh, with the that's police. horrible. Now I'm going to want to know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my sister would say, look it up. That, that is like a mortal sports sin. You understand? Um, no, it isn't. It is. You cannot ask a question that you do not know the answer to. That's That's horrible. I was being a good student. Which, My frog what? is gone. Where did he go? <laughs> well, you got a homework assignment. Where did he go? I have to find my frog. You, oh, you got a homework assignment. What is it? I want to know who replaced Harry Carey next week. Oh. Well, if you let me get my coffee out of the microwave, I might do it before you <laughs> hang up. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'll ask my sister a question. Say, look it up. Vince Scully went out. Computer, look it up. Vince Scully went out. Yeah, pretty cool, didn't he? Walk yeah, well, t- uh, t- yeah, his home game he sang, and then tomorrow. Walk off home run. And, and tomorrow is his last game. He'll be he broadcasting up in San Francisco. So I'm tomorrow. gonna have to watch. I'll yeah. have to watch that. But he's, giant but, he, too. but he sang on his last home game. To the yeah, it was a walk off home run to win the pennant yeah. too. Yeah. How can you go out any better than that? You can't. Yeah. He can't. He's been, he been doing Dodger baseball since 1950 and started doing college football in 1949. So he's been doing it a long, long time. It's incredible. And you know, the sad part is about 80 some odd years old. I hate to say it, 89. but I bet you don't give him two or three years after he retires. Well, people, it seems that once they retire, it's just weird. Well, I, I, I maybe he can win, because he, he's one of those that baseball's not his entire life. He's always been interested in uh, so many different parts of his life. And he's, yeah. got, he's got 16 grandchildren, and he was, they were asking him, I'm going to be going watching the, my grandkid playing baseball, basically. So that's sort of what he's planning to do. So hopefully he'll be around well, for a few more years. Yeah, as long as you got something to get up for, I guess that's the yep. key. Yeah. You know? I Don't can't get find out of it. What, Patricia? What's that? I can't find it. Uh-oh. You can't find it. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, Mr. Bill. <laughs> no. Um, Chicago Cubs, Harry Carey. Harry Carey. Um, I was so impressed with the question. That, you know, well, <laughs> you know, well he's he, one of those people you cannot replace. But, he's all the, right. There's like three generations of Currys who've been broadcasting now. That's right. Maybe, it, was it his, did his son take over? Maybe. Or maybe his grandson. Okay, his son's been taking over the Braves for a long time, so it might have been a grandson. Maybe his wife. Maybe, maybe what I should just do is, let's see, what's the date on this one? You can't just go to ask.com and say, who plays Harry Carey? Probably would. I did. I did do that. Okay. Harry Carey Jr. Yeah, the sign is called Skip. And I forgot what the grandson... Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the grandson is called. Who succeeded Harry Carey? Right. That's what Patricia's trying to see she figure out. Um, um, Harry... Carrie. So Skip did your mom have a good birthday? Oh, Skip is the son, and Chip, I guess, is the grandson. Chip, that's right. Mom had a good birthday. She was taken oh, out Skip? for dinner. 
Skip Carey died as well. No kidding. That's what it says. It says Skip Carey. Wow. That's sick. I, I didn't realize that. Could, would, no. Spent three days calling games. All right, so now we need Chip, right? Yep. We, might, we went out to the local... Chip Carey, Carey, leaving the Cubs in 2004. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I don't know. Look what you've got me doing. <laughs> Fred, go to bed and stay off the roads. You're the one that asked the question and didn't know the answer. I asked it because you guys are experts in baseball. I know squat. <laughs> Did it squat or just squat? Diddly squat. Diddly squat. I don't even know that. That's, that's one of the best. And I don't know where my frog is either. <laughs> 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 he moved. In between trips, he moved. I don't know where my little frog is. So, okay, Fred, you have to go to bed now and stay off the roads. So I still don't one know. Out of, one out of two will be fine. If okay, okay. All right. Well, We're going to find the, Walden is going to find the squirrel in time for Christmas, and everybody will know what you did. Yeah, I heard that you told that story again. Yeah, you know, I think okay. I should get uh, royalties, right? Yeah, that's, I think I should get royalties from now on. Every yeah. time you tell, every time you tell that story, I get a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> From whom? Well, you guys will have to send it to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll turn it into the advisement committee. And I will see if I can find out by next week the answer to your question. Thank you. I would appreciate it. Okay. So well, uh, you guys have a good night. You too, Fred. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. And uh, let's see here. Homo oh, two o'clock. You wanna get be you and I the rest of the way, my dear? Sure. Okay, up to you. Okay, I know you got sure. your questions and that way okay, I know oh, what I, I know what you're gonna do after you give me the questions. I'm gonna chase my frog. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, gonna, I don't know where the little guy he's you, only little you're gonna, only about an inch and a half. You're gonna spend the next two two hours looking for the foggy. Nah. He'll he'll get out somehow. You I don't know, know how he got whoa, in. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. This my adorable one, right? Indeed. She worries about eagles. Yes, she does. She worries about foggies. Yes, she does. Okay, so she, I think, I think she's going to worry about this little guy. Well, I'll worry about him, but he'll do fine. I don't, I don't know how he got in, but however he got in, he's going to be able to find his way out. And in the meantime, they eat little bugs, and we've always got little bugs, you know, an ant here and an ant there. Well, He'll do fine. I think you should go back to the bookshelf and move, move them around, and you might be able to find the frog hole. Move the bookshelves? They're seven feet tall and anchored to the wall. Well, the books are the No, he was the under the window. He was under the window near oh. one of the bookcases. Yeah. So okay. he, he's hopping around somewhere. I don't know what frog so, food is. So I know, when, when you I know go what to when fish you go, food is. When you go to bed, if he's in yeah. bed with you, then we know what happened to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, that might be a little too close. Nature and I get along okay at a distance these days. 
Yeah, but a little frightened. He's only about an inch and a half. So, Just little. Well, then you won't mind him hopping in bed with you, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't like it, but it certainly wouldn't be like the animal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's been a long time since I've seen a frog that big. But I really did a good job. I got a Tupperware, and I waited for him to stay still on the floor, and I put the Tupperware over him and held it there while I slid a piece of cardboard underneath it and opened the door and brought him outside. And did you name him while you were doing this? I did not. Oh. I called him a few. I called him a few <laughs> names, but I didn't name him. <laughs> I mean, that really spooked me. Wham! There he was. Oh. I don't know why he would do that. He wanted tender, loving care. <sighs> wow. Maybe he wanted a way out, and yeah. I provided it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. You don't. So I had you, to stop. You, you would never have a dull life, do you? No. No. Once in a while, it would be fun if I did. <laughs> but, but you're right. There is no such thing. No, the boring. The worst. The worst thing. I'm trying to phrase this correctly. One of our presidents said, "The worst. The worst thing you can be is boring." Who said that? That almost sounded like a to a bank bank here quote, but um, <laughs> president. <laughs> it was a president. Oh gosh. And oh. I don't have the exact words, probably, but the message probably, is yeah. is right on target. The worst thing you can be is boring. Probably Teddy Roosevelt. No. This one will rock your socks. Richard Nixon. It was. No kidding. And he hardly was a boring person. Oh. He started with checkers and never stopped. <laughs> I watched the checkers speech one time. Yeah. She was, oh, my gosh, you talk about an impassioned plea. I'm not going to take my little girl's puppy away. <laughs> I mean, he really, I guess, got himself in hot water over yeah, that well, one. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, was, it, was it Pat Pat and her white, what, her Republican coat, and I have... Three hundred some odd dollars in the bank, whatever that whole story was. And then, we yes, uh, somebody gave us a puppy, and I'm not gonna give him away or send him back or whatever. I'm not going to take my little girl's puppy away. And again, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but that's the only part of the speech I remember. Yeah. Having having seen it, it's oh, it's all over the place. You can see it up on YouTube. Did it say take portable <laughs> career. I mean, I. They could Eisenhower think about dropping him from the ticket, but he, he thought they handled it well enough to hold on to him. Over a puppy. Over I a puppy. am, and you can help me with this because, hold on, excuse me. This hit the, frog, frog. This hit the foggy network. Sponsored by I, yeah, I've got a frog in my throat. That's where <laughs> he went. It's in my throat. Um, you are the presidential expert here. I think it was the the checker story was an indication that there was a whole lot more going on behind the scenes. Well, I can't imagine anyone yeah, anyone making such a stink about a puppy. Well, a lot of people thought about his, his brother loans and there was a lot of you know stuff going behind the scenes, but mm -hmm. they were trying the old, the old checker speech. The old checkers speech, yeah. So anyway, yes, Richard Nixon said the worst thing you can be is boring. Now let's see here. About that. 
Mm -hmm. Fowler, there was a story about Fowler that was about seven years That's before. That's right, it, because he years. flew on a plane, yeah. Yeah. And somebody had to go back and get the dog one time. Right, right. So that was a, that, that I just made, read that the other day. That made the actual this headline. Week. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 was it, did they do it on a carrier? That's they what they think. That's what they. That's what they claimed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Roosevelt's speech was, "Father would be upset. They spent that kind of money getting them. Basically, it's sort of the moral of the story was, if I remember." He. Yeah, he made light of it. Yeah. Um. Gee whiz, you know. <laughs> Hello. Anyway, I've got some stuff for you before we get to your questions, All and right. I've got one. I had one for Celeste that I'm going to tell you about anyway. And Celeste, I'm sorry, I'm giving this one away, but it's fun. Well, you can save it for her. You can tell me now and save it for her for next week. Yeah, maybe she's not listening. Right. Okay. Celeste, hold your ears. Yes. All right. I was on a medical website this week, and people were talking about blood pressure and blood pressure medications and... You know, the kinds of stuff that you just don't want to know about, but you have to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody posted, I have low blood pressure. I do not need medication, but I eat organic raw food. I like trampoline and gymnastics. <laughs> and the reply was, are you okay? <laughs> she, she eats raw food, and she likes trampolines and gymnastics. I thought that one was a good one. So if Celeste is listening, you should have held your ears because I will save the rest of them for next week. I've got a couple for her for next week. But I've got a question for you. All right. I'm all ready. Which vegetable this, – this is a Mel Blanc question. Which vegetable did he not like? Oh. Turnips. No. I like turnips. Do you like turnips? I don't know if I've ever had them. Oh, we'll have to make them for you. Turnips um, are good. Huh. Brussels sprouts. He didn't like his Brussels sprouts. He didn't like carrots. He was Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Doc? He did not like carrots. I didn't know it. They were not dealing with sound effects in the traditional sense. Every time Bugs Bunny took a bite of a carrot, Mel Blanc was the one biting the carrot. Oh, poor, oh, poor Mel. And I know. And he said, his, his quote was, I don't especially like carrots, at least not raw. And second, I found it impossible to chew, swallow, and be ready to say my next line. <laughs> which... <laughs> We tried substituting other vegetables, including apples and celery, but with unsatisfactory results. The solution was to stop recording so that I could spit out the carrot <laughs> into a wastebasket and then proceed with the script. Oh, In the course, isn't this funny? Oh, In the course, it, this is a paragraph he wrote. Mm -hmm. In the course of a recording session, I usually went through enough carrots to fill several baskets. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Bugs Bunny did for carrots what Popeye the Sailor did for spinach. Jeez. Wasn't that cute? He didn't even like carrots. That's and a great bless story. his heart, he, he bit them off and chewed them. That's a great story. Eh, what's up, Doc? Okay. 
I will save those for you for next week. Bob in Wisconsin sent a note that the Soapbox Derby was nationwide, and the the winners would compete in Akron, Ohio, okay. which is one of the... I knew, one I, of the, I knew um, Ohio with the, net, with the main headquarters thing, so thank you, Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got Firestone tires and Goodyear tires, and they've got all sorts of automotive-type stuff up there, so it, it sounds reasonable that that would be it. Uh, and what else do I have for you? So uh, we're gonna, okay, next I'll year, is that what we're going to do? We're going to enter Patricia in the softbox <laughs> derby race, right? I can't. I can't walk on a sidewalk without falling down and breaking breaking my nose. You want me to do a soapbox? You got to well, be kidding. Need, you who's going? Who's going to help us build one? Would your dad do that? Yeah, he's done. A, he's done one. So, uh, yeah, he could do it. He could do it. He would help us. Yes. Who's going? I think you ought to drive. It. No, 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 no. Wait, when we did, my brother drove, and I was in the back. So. So I trust your driving skills, but and I'll I'll just be the caboose. Oh no 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 no. Why not? No if no I really I won't. Listen, you you do everything else, and this is we we need people to become involved, like screaming and running. <laughs> this is good. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're making people happy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're in the car together, I prefer you to drive it. Wouldn't you want to do that? If we're in the car together, nobody's driving. Uh. I will be the person pushing you down the hill. (laughs) That's all you get. Everybody goes down the same hill, and you just get a little from the rear end to give you a little head start down the hill. And um, you do it. You're not gonna come with you me. You say it, but you won't do yeah, it. You're not gonna come with me. <laughs> not in your life. Oh, now, now. No, I am the pusher. You are the pushy. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be fun as a driver. Oh, I I would be fun anywhere. Yeah, I know it's you not, would. Not. I'm the one who tried to pass a drunk driver. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> you're not likely to have a drunk driver at a at a little soapbox derby, a big soapbox derby. That, that was true. awful. That oh, true. what an awful, awful, awful feeling. No place to go. Wow. wow. Okay. Okay, we've got all of your all of your stuff here. We've got a Stump Walden question, a brain teaser. I've got a million colonial questions. A uh, presidential question. I've got a bunch of them, too. I, I'm, I'm working ahead. Um, and we have a presidential quote, first lady question, and your baseball question. You're working for the holidays already. You're, you're going to be ready for the holidays. Okay. Um, Sam? Yeah. No, this is just for the next couple of weeks. Well, before oh, well, you... Oh, please, they've got Christmas stuff out in the stores. Do they really? They really do. Uh, I'm I'm sort of upset. <laughs> I don't deal with that kind of stuff very well. You know, as soon as Christmas is over, the Easter stuff comes out. Well, that's not really true. We get Valentine's Day. We get Valentine's Day. stuff, you know. December 26th. Clear the shelves. Make ready for Valentine's Day. Okay. 
I have uh, oh I have I have a couple of quotes that are really good. Sure. Um, George right. Carlin, uh-huh. who was a comedian, yeah. a, a stand-up comic, and um, except for his live shows, which um, could get pretty raunchy, he was very funny. He really had some good material, but he was also a very smart person. And his quote that I came across when I was looking for Carl Sagan stuff tonight. I don't know how George Carlin got tucked in there, but his quote is, don't just teach your children to read. Teach them to question what they read. Teach them to question everything. Isn't that wonderful? Uh Uh-huh. George Carlin, the guy with the mouth on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he really was a very smart person, um, and, and intelligent and smart. He had both of them. So, okay. So what would you like? I've got all of your questions here. Brain Ooh, teaser. Yum, yum, I, yum, I yum. would like my brain teaser first. You would like your brain teaser? Well, we're going a little backwards here. David's father has three sons, Snap, Crackle, and... Pop. No. I knew I'd get you with this one. <laughs> David's father has three sons, Snap, Crackle, and... David. Very good. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one where you just want to uh, slap yourself on the side of the head and say, oh, gosh. All right. Yes. That's very good. That is correct. Very good. Okay. What, what's next? My brain, t- my, uh, I guess I've done my brain teaser, my stump Walden. Your stump Walden. What was Chester A. Riley's job? That was in the life of Riley. Right. He, he was a... Aerospace worker. So he worked in a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked in an aircraft plant. You're right. Uh, <coughs> was he a welder? No. He was a time and motion person. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Poor Riley couldn't put one foot in front of the other without getting in trouble. You got me. You got me with a mouthful of coffee. <laughs> you usually take a quiet time. He was a riveter. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. A wing riveter ah. in the aircraft plant. Yeah, that's good. Okay, you got two down and a million to go. My colonial question, please. This one is a real stinker. I mean, it really is a stinker, so I'm going to give you two. The first one, because I thought it was so interesting. We were talking about John Paul Jones last week. Right. I have not yet begun to fight. Right. What was, what was his real name? Bab, ba, Chester A. Isn't ba, that a stinker? Chester, Chester, Chester A. Babcock. I take it that's is the equivalent of, gee, I don't know. That's very good. <laughs> His actual name was John Paul. His, he was, his parents were French. He, this guy had one heck of a career. He wound up, almost by accident, being um, a ship hand when he was a very young teenager and worked himself up from there but they sailed into the islands 
at one time, and he wound up in a conflict with someone, and he killed the man. Oh, wow. And he was afraid to go anywhere because he thought he'd be arrested and hanged. So he added the name Jones to the end of his name. So it actually was an alias. Huh. Isn't that something? Yeah. Anyway, when it came out and when he got here to America, he was very disgruntled about the, Brit- the way the British were treating people and stuff like that there. So he volunteered for service after the war broke out in 1775, and he became part of the brand-new Continental Navy. And he was very young. I mean, really young. He was maybe 21 or 22. He was just a little whippersnapper. They were very young people back in them days, you know? Oh, brother, yeah. But he was very accomplished, and they took him on not because he was available, but because he was a very accomplished, what would you call him, a captain, a sailor? He was anything on the water. He was excellent, just excellent. He learned his craft very well. So anyway, that's my story. Would you like the second one, or should we save that for next week? I will. It's up to you. You would like it. I, I that's w- what you were I going to like say, I would like to have right? it. That would be my preference. Okay. What was, this is colonial times, what was a writ of assistance in colonial times? It's a legal term. Mm-hmm. Created by our English ancestors. <laughs> I, well, I guess we can keep going. <laughs> yes. Okay. And it helped assist them to do the legal task. We're struggling here, aren't we? Well, uh, we're, we're doing good, aren't we? Yeah, you're you're on the tarmac. And you're not close to the plane yet, but you're on the tarmac. <laughs> what a good night! I'm having a fun time tonight. I have a fun time every week. I know. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know, my dear. A writ of assistance came about because the British, he said the Crown, told the colonies that they would have a trade agreement, but the colonies could not sell goods or buy goods from anyone except England. I remember that. And the colonists, yeah, the colonists started buying stuff from France and a couple of other places. And the king was really bent out of shape about this. And he wrote, and this is still, this is even today, you can get a writ of assistance. He issued a writ of assistance, which meant the British troops were given permission to enter without any warning anybody's home anybody's property to check for smuggled goods. That was a big, that was a big, big no-no by a revolution. They did not like that idea. Oh, that, that sort of ignited a few things. You are right. They were permitted to break down doors. They were permitted to open personal belongings. They, they, it, it was a, a search just like you would get a warrant today for a home search, only they could just break in and do it anytime. All they had to say was, gosh, we think there might be goods in there. 
Isn't that scary? Yep. Now I have to find another question for next week. <laughs> but that was a good one. Very I think the good. first one was I a stinker. I learned a lot. Very good. Yeah, but the, the first one was a real stinker for well, a question. No, that, that was an interesting that was answer. Good, that was a great question, though. It, it was an interesting. Who would have known oh, that John Paul Jones had a different name? Never knew. Who would have known? Never know. This is what. This okay, is why they say this is show the most educational show on in America. <laughs> and it started out to be a radio show. We 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 talk about frogs. Uh, <laughs> rip to yes. assistance and whatever. No. And snow, snow and driving and, driving. and, and soapbox derbies. Yep, yep. And, and I'll ask you about a piece of greenery later. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to be a little greenery mother. Uh, the seeds I planted, I had a squash a couple of weeks ago, and I told you I put the, yeah. some seeds, not very many, but every one of them popped. And some of the plants have little flower buds already. Congratulations, Mama. Oh, thank it. you, Mother. Can we call you Mother McGreen? <laughs> <laughs> I answer to anything, you know that. <laughs> so maybe tomorrow I have to, very soon, I have to get out there and transplant some of them. Okay, that's going that, to that, that, up that they all be. They all popped. I thought only two or three might pop. Okay, so that's our, e that's our email survey question for the week. Have Have Mother McGree planted her plant baby this week? You have to email Patricia and find out. What do you think? We, Mrs. McGregor. Mrs. McGregor. <laughs> Is that good? That's very good. Yeah, we'll take that one. Okay, okay, what would you like next on your questions? My first lady whatever. Your first lady whatever. Oh. I like this one, too. Your first lady, whatever. <clears throat> Only two former first ladies who were widowed remarried. One was Jacqueline Kennedy. Who was the other one? Isn't that a humdinger? Well, it's Gamble. How about Edith Wilson? No. Hmm. Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge's wife. I, I, no, that's that a good guess, but yeah. no, it wasn't. It was Grover Cleveland's wife, Frances. Ah, oh, the second one, because he... He outlived the first one. Yes, I, he uh, outlived his first one, and he died in 1908. And in 1913, she married a Princeton University professor of archaeology. Isn't that interesting? You know, if you have a study Grover Cleveland, what an interesting life he was, an interesting man. He, you know, he was so worried about the country that he kept the cancer surgery quiet and they had it done on a yacht. I remember yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Was that a good call, do you think? I guess I wouldn't have worried about it 
I think I would gone done it in the hospital. That's just probably been my preference, and let the country worry about it. You know. Yeah, but it was so early on. I don't know what kind of hospital medical treatment he probably got. Much better treatment. Um, with the he had military doctors, did he yeah. not? Yeah, and he had a specialist. He had military doctors. He had the yeah. He had the best yeah. of the best. I know? mean, this this was serious surgery. This yeah. was on his on his mouth and his jaw yeah. and yeah. Uh, it it was it was not something you could hide after the fact, right? And uh, I don't know. It, it, that that was really a hard call. I don't know which direction I would take or even think was right at the time. I just trust him. That's all. He's he's our president. Whoever gets elected is our president, and you you just gotta hope for the you best. Know? Hope, you, you, I, I was going to say you've you've got to be behind him, behind him in the sense that he's your president and you have to respect the office of the president, not necessarily the person who's doing it, but he does represent the office and you have to trust his decisions, right. or at least accept them, not necessarily trust them, but accept them, and that was his. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and that that was really a dice roll. Wow. Okay, we've got a baseball question, we have a presidential question, we have a presidential quote, and I think that's all. Yeah, that's presidential all. quote right now. Your presidential quote. Oh, we've got good stuff here. Okay, hold on. See, now that I've got a new keyboard, I can do what I couldn't do on the other. I broke one of my keys on the other one. Okay. If this is coffee, please bring me some tea. If this is tea, please bring me some coffee. Sound like Patricia to me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> would I be that miserable? <laughs> yes, I guess I would. If you if you served me horrible dishwater and I didn't know the difference, yes. This I I looked this one up in a couple of different places. Because it sounded so uncharacteristic of any president, never mind the one who said it. But it came up. How about Jimmy Jimmy Carter? No, not Jimmy Carter. Franklin Dono Roosevelt. Mm, Nope. I have no idea. Abraham Lincoln. I don't have the context. I could not find where he was when he said this. And I have to go out on a limb and make a presumption here that he was not a guest in somebody's house. Uh, And the, quote, investigators in the hoity-toity universities type thing who go out and look for answers and confirmations of these things, there, there were little word changes. One did not have the word please in it. For example, if this is coffee, bring me some tea. If this is tea, bring me some coffee without the, the word please. But the essence of the sentence was consistent all the way through. And it was Abraham Lincoln. That surprised me. Yeah. I, would, I would not have thought, you know, I would just assume somebody like Lincoln because he seemed on the information we've got available about him, had a a demeanor about him that was not in your face in anything. And this is kind of an in-your-face statement. It's insulting. I guess, yeah, I guess he could say it if he was in a melancholy mood. And you're right. Yeah. Something, something like this 
how you say it puts a whole different spin on it. And I, would you come over here, please? If this is coffee, would you bring me some tea? And if it's tea, please bring me some coffee. Yeah. Is is a whole lot different from the way I read it first. Uh, anyway, it, it surprised me that it was Abraham Lincoln. I would have expected something, maybe Nixon, uh-huh. Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. Oh yeah. Yes, I I would put Lyndon Johnson on that one, but it was Abraham Lincoln. Okay, what now? What now? We've only got two left. Yep. What now? My presidential question. Your presidential question. See, I got a backup, a backlog on this too. Um, Joseph Kennedy gave all of his children, and he had 10 children, and one didn't, you know, had surgery and was yeah. not living at home. So yeah. I don't know if it went to 10 or 9. Yeah. But the information is he gave all of his children, including President Kennedy, identical birthday gifts each on each of their 21st birthdays. What was the gift? Isn't that a sneaky That's a question? Great question, yeah. It's a sneaky question. A gold bar. Gosh, you're darn close. It was a million dollars. A million dollars on your. What yeah. would you have done with a million dollars on your twenty-first birthday? <laughs> on my twenty-first birthday, I don't think I. Well, it wouldn't have been as good as I could do now. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had the wisdom, and I, okay. I'm not sure anyone at 21 has enough wisdom to understand the significance I, of what to do with I, uh, an I, amount I, of money like that. My adorable one, I think, would have bought her treehouse right away and gone and wrote the, oh, yeah. and bought the, and wrote the great American novel until she was happy with it or something. Oh, I didn't want a treehouse when I was 21. Oh, okay. That, that's, so see, that happened I, I would, if I did not have the wisdom, I uh-huh. wouldn't have had enough money today to buy a treehouse. Wow. What Patricia. would you do with a million dollars at age 21? When I was 21, I probably would have invested it. That's probably what I would have done. Yeah, you, see, I, I would have to be on your doorstep and say, Walden, could you please help me figure out what to do with my uh-huh. million dollars, except I didn't know you when I was 21. That's true. It was meant and you didn't it know was me when you were 21. <laughs> it was meant that I would know you later in life, huh? Right. When I both guess of us so. were in poverty. Oh, <laughs> gee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. You know, with the, with the Kennedy family and, of course, recognizing where the <laughs> millions came from, it it was almost pocket change to them. Yep. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible thing to say. I don't, I don't know that for sure, and I don't know anyone in the family. But, but gosh, but you think, think, you of know, this, you think of this way. Mm. Well, John Kennedy was born in 1917, so a million dollars in 1938 would have been a whole heck of a lot of money, though. If you want to talk for just one second, I can tell you exactly how yeah. much it would be worth today. Yeah. Let me see here, measuring worth. So we want the initial year would be 1938. Okay, and we have $1 million. 
worth would be $13,600,000. I would think it would be worth more than that, but that's still pretty good money. Well, it's, it's at, that's the lower end of the range. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, compare the value in 1938. Okay, the real price of a commodity is 16800 uh, $16, Real value of the commodity is $38 million. Labor value, $35 million. So there's a whole list here, but the actual out-of-pocket, I can spend this type thing, that the translation would be, well, you know, 13 times. That rolled over 13. This is good. Hey, I, No, I, it isn't. Every seven years, you should have a rollover double. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hmm. 7%, 7, 7, if you get 7% a year, it doubles every 10 years. We d we're not close to 7 now. I think I get a quarter of a percent on a savings account. It, it, it's just awful. You get a, get a savings account statement. I only keep, you know, like a couple hundred dollars in there in case I I get stuck somewhere. Yeah. But it, it it comes in, I get a statement and it's got your interest for these three months is seven cents. Hello? <laughs> it's good. I, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding you. It is just incredible. The only thing they can do is make me pay them, which they do anyway. But um, my goodness. Anyway, that's what it would be worth, 13600 And we could do a lot with that. We would. We would. We could do that. That would be good. Okay. So that's what Mr. Kennedy gave all of his children. He opened his wallet <laughs> <laughs> I've been carrying this around for a week. Take it off my hands. So we have one more question left. Yes, your baseball my question. Baseball. All right. Uh, you know what? You know what? You know what? I've got two questions, and I want to ask both of them. Okay. All right. Actually, I have three questions, but I'm only going to give you two because I know you know the answer to this, and I didn't. You talked, um, and I had this on my notes last week, the Triple Crown in baseball. Yep. You only gave two out of the three. What, it, give me all three. And it was only conversation. You were talking about yeah. the Triple Crown. Home run, run batted in, RBI, and batting average. Right. In which league? Well, 1941 with Ted Williams, 1930 with Bill Terry for the Giant first baseman. Okay. You can do that. Mm -hmm. You're right. <laughs> I told you you knew it. <laughs> well, I've got something over here, and I'm not even sure how to put this into a question. So if you will allow me, I will just make this a statement. Yeah, a statement. A statement of fact. A statement. On September 25th, 1965, Satchel Page, I'll ask you this, Satchel Page did something extraordinary. I mean, every time he picked up a baseball, he did something uh, extraordinary. He was the oldest man to win a game. He was the oldest man to win a game. How old was he? That's a great question. 54 at that time, maybe? 59. Fifty-nine, wow. and he gave up one hit in the three innings he pitched. Not bad. One hit at fifty-nine years old. Not that is bad. just incredible. Not 
great Amen. stuff. Great stuff. I, I mean, it just uh, what a great story. I, I pulled down a whole bunch of information and just sat here and read through it and thought, wow. I mean, just wow, how fortunate we were to have this man in our lives. Okay, that's it. I'm finished, but I've got, I really have some stuff. Well, Can I give you one more piece of stuff? It's up to you. I mean, it's your stuffy time. It's your stuffy hour. Oh yeah, we're 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 getting down to frog hour here, aren't we? Okay, this is Winnie the Pooh, and I think I told you this one about two years ago, but it's just good enough to repeat. From Winnie the Pooh, did you ever stop to think and then forget to start again? That happens. That happens a lot. And then, from this book that I agonized over, I told you about this book, right? I spent 99 cents for it, and I agonized. Well, I got got a couple of pieces of information for my 99 cents. So, for you, is a banana a fruit, vegetable, herb, or seed? It's a seed. It isn't. It has seeds inside I, it. If normally, it's yeah. Normally, I thought it was a squash. I thought it'd be a squash. A banana. It's a squash. It isn't a squash. A squash is a squash. A banana is a banana. That's like saying an orange is an apple. Well then, I raised you. Better. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! No, it is an herb, and it's an no. herb because. There is no woody part. It's just a um, um, a plant stalk, yeah. like yeah. a stalk of celery. Yeah. And so the stuff that grows on it is actually an herb. At least this person who made me pay 99 cents for reading about Paleolithic cavemen. <laughs> um, that's what he or she said. I don't even know. want to know who wrote it. Okay, and the second question. Is coffee made from beans, seeds, berries, or fruit? Well, they always say beans, so I'm going to say beans. It's actually the seeds of the beans. There are seeds inside the beans. Okay. How about that? I never knew. And that's what they make the coffee from. Now, you you know this is true because I read it. That's right, because you would never tell me a lie. I would never intentionally tell you a lie, but that has no, no bearing on whether or not what I'm telling you is correct. So, okay. Well, that means I'm finished. I gave you all of my stuff. Oh, so now you can go on to the frog, the frog hut. Nah. And poor little guy is probably behind a piece of furniture somewhere. You're not going to go help it, help it out? Well, I'm not going to go crawling around the furniture. <laughs> if, he, if he comes out... I will capture him like I did the big one and put him outside, and he will be all happy. Isn't it? I don't know why frogs would come up to a second floor. There's nothing up. There's no grass because, up here. Because, There's nothing because, for them. You're, because you're there. Because he knows you're a soft-hearted, tender, kind yeah. person. And last week I had a little one on my screen. See, so you're, the, you're the mecca. You're the frog mecca of, of Fort Myers. <laughs> I'm, I'm the frog magnet. <laughs> a frog magnet. This is kind of unusual. It's not, because we're getting into fall and winter, 
I don't know why they would be hopping around. I would expect that in the springtime. Well, anyway. Did you do you did you do your your crocodile boot bowl call lately or something? My what? Would you <laughs> you have to start that one over again? Did I do your alligator bowl call crocodile uh, croc thing? Oh my grunt! Good grunt. I'm going to have to record that for you one night. I know. I know. I said crocodile, but it's And then, and then I will. Yeah. I will send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can decide if it's appropriate for broadcast. I doubt it. I really doubt it. That way we can play we can play it we can we can drop this in. Is this Patricia or the real thing? That's what we can play, you know. Oh, is it me or Memorex? No, is it yeah. is it Patricia or really a really true alligator? Or a true alligator, yeah. yeah. Alligators climb stairs, you know. Well, I don't want you to get eaten by one of those things. Nor do I. <laughs> they're, they're not very friendly creatures. Well, Patricia can Are be we back. Finished? Patricia going to be back mm -hmm. next week on the eighth of October. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very good. That's the way it starts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, a little bit like that. You got to go to Hong Oh, my goodness. I hope we're not any saner next week. This was really fun. Oh, been a good I show. We, I mean, and your phone system, oh, good grief. I hope it comes out okay. It my will. Gosh, it will. It might cost me three or four or five hundred dollars, but we're going to get one put together. You know? Wow. Boy, you know, these are the kinds of things that people send support into the station do you going are you going to get any help with this oh i think i i i i first of all i just want to make sure we get it fixed you know that's my first priority yeah second priority and most likely bill will if, if bill gotta go order it he would do it if it's something he new, would do it he would do it oh yeah he's a very generous person that way okay you know that's a that's a lot of change out of pocket but just think of all the benefits and fun we have out of it, Patricia. <laughs> you got to find that squirrel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you must find the squirrel. I will gladly send Fred a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> With much happiness. I wonder I wonder if he charges royalties for the real thing. Oh. Uh, well, we got we got a whole There's drive. No copyright on yeah, we got he a whole we got a whole drive mm -hmm. set by Bruce, and I bet it's in the file. So I just have to spend time going through the file. So we'll we should try to get that done this year for the holidays. You know, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. he he tends to call in later, so you can skip the first half well, of the show. Yeah, but see, what I'm thinking <laughs> is going to be it's, it'll be, it'll be it'll, I think it's going to be easy to find. It'll be it'll be one of your theme nights. It, I think you had it was a theme oh, yes, night. It was. Yeah, so uh -huh. that's how I'm gonna have to figure it out. It's, yeah. it's it was a Christmas theme night. Right, right. And it had to do with gifts. Right. So if you come across right. anything with Christmas music or Christmas trees, dump them. It was Christmas gifts right. that we were talking about. So, you know, if I find it, then I might get put in your Dropbox. So you go through and see the worth. That'll be fine. Sure, you can you can chuck all of the Christmas ones over here and I'll go through them. You know, so we can do that. Okay.
see? I another, can do that. Another project for Patricia. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. Are you there? Uh-huh. We lost you. <laughs> oh, no. I was just back here doing my thing. Yes, yes. You were laughing at me. Uh, that you were. I was supporting you. And I was supporting you by your moral <laughs> efforts. Is that what you call it these days? Yes, what I call it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Okay, everybody, I will stop with the sillies. I had such a good time, and thank you for being with us and for waiting for us, yeah. and gosh, what a family we have. We love this you all. Super. We love all of you. Thank you for being here to support us, and we support you. And have fun. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. And Patricia Lowe, looking for the fog. Here she go. Oh, I'll go. I'll go look for the frog. <laughs> I will keep you happy as long as he's not in my closet. It's okay. <laughs> okay, family. Send Patricia an email this week. Where's the frog? So we want to send an email to floridawriter at hotmail dot com. Where's the frog? It's the subject title. Where that did you find the frog? Yeah, well, that's the theme for the week. Have Patricia found the frog? Okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, Walter. Good night, Patricia. All right, family. With a equalizer, Jaws Professional. Alt-Tab, Fibber McGee and Molly 1949 folder, Items View, Multi-Select List Box. Shell folder view, items view, Windows M, Desk F, FS Re F, Friday Enter, Friday 0B, Beat the Banter, Beat Radio, Beat the Banter, Shell Radio, Shanter, Item, Beat the, Beat the, Beat the, Beat the, Beat the, Beat the, Beat the Band 40-03-31 left, Beat the Band 40-04-07, you little heartbreaker, you. Beat the Band 40-03-31 left, Beat the Band, Beat the Band 40-04-14. Perry Como, beat the band 40-05-26 left parent 018 right parent first song dash oh golly I'm in love, unloading jo can't, okay enter radio sh- General Mills, makers of kicks invite you to beat the band. If you can. Makers of Kick, K-I-X, Kick, that delicious new ready-to-eat breakfast cereal that comes in delicious round golden bubbles, brings you another session of that new novel radio game, Beat the Band. Featuring Ted Weems and his music, Perry Como, Marvel Maxwell, Elmo Tanner, Arm Down, Country Washburn, and Red Engel, who join with Jerry Moore to bring you this opportunity to beat the band. Music by the band you have to beat. Ted Weems and the boys offer, oh golly, I'm in love.
now that vein of the bandsman, that baffling bad boy of banter and badinage, Gary Moore. Oh, thank you for it. With these questions, I'm a triple threat man today. We have some grand questions here, and for every one we use, General Mills will pay $10 to the person who sent it in. The money will be sent by Western Union Money Order. Now, there's your chance. We'd like everyone to send us a question. So why not write one and send it to Kicks, Minneapolis, Minnesota? Remember, if your question beats the band, you are guaranteed double money, $20 and a case of kicks. However, that may be a much greater sum. We have that $100 bonus, you know, that is divided equally among those who beat the band. For example, if four persons beat the band, they each get a total of $35. However, if only two people beat the band, they each receive a total of $60, plus, of course, a case of kicks. Now, that's worth a try, isn't it? Sure, you know it isn't. Besides, trying to beat the band at its own game is a lot of fun. Well, now into the unrehearsed portion, and remember, the men in the band do not know the questions I will ask. And listen for the boom of the old bass drum. It's the signal that someone's question has beat the band. And ready or not, fellas, here I come. Dixie Marsteller. Marsteller, that's right, of Chicago, Illinois, opens our first quota of quips and quizzes with a quickie. Someone asked King Solomon if he was ever lonely. Now, what did King Solomon answer? It's a well-known... Wait a minute, Red. I haven't finished yet. It's a well-known novelty tune from about 1934, even if you don't need to know. Oh, that's a cinch. No, no, a thousand times no. Well, we thought it was good when we wrote it. That's right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Let's hear you play on your saxophone, if you will. <laughs> Fine, thank you very much. Red Angle gets 10 points for answering the question and for playing the tune, plus the Paramount Public's ending he put on there. And now, Mrs. L. Nolan of Bronxville, New York, offers a question with an air about it. Says she, as the man gasped for breath, what did he say to the Limburger cheese? It's a 1938 tune. The man gasped for breath, what did he say to the Limburger cheese? It's a 1938 tune. That makes twice I've said it. Nothing's happened yet. All right. Uh, Art Winter, just please hand up in the air back there in the trumpet section. Uh, you leave me breathless? You leave me breathless! <laughs> Show it here. Let me hear you play that on your trumpet, if you will, Art, right, huh? Hello. as short on breath as he is on hair. There. Anyhow, he gets 10 points up on the scoreboard. If you took all the hair on Art Winner's head and all the hair on Ted Weems' head and put it together, you wouldn't have enough left over to make a toupee for a termite. I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, you get 10 points regardless, and there you have it up on the scoreboard. And now, uh, here comes another one. It's Seattle, Washington, and the letter is signed Melvin Dell. An old English hunting song will finish this sentence for you. John spent the weekend lying on the beach in the hot sun. And the next week, you should have seen... What? The answer is an old English hunting song. John spent the weekend lying on the beach in the hot sun, and next week, you should have seen... What? Good enough, there's country, country watchman. Put his hand up there. Uh, I have to apologize before I start here. I don't know the melody. I know the song. Don't, the title don't apologize. Of the song, You're going to have to throw the 50 cents in. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's no, the answer? It's John Peel or something. John somewhere. Peel, sure. He lied in the John... sun. You should have seen John Peel. Good enough. Hmm? Can you play it on your both fiddle? I can compose a little melody and call it John <laughs> Peel if you'll accept it. I'm afraid that wouldn't do. Now, does anybody in the band know how to play John Peel? Just, so, just for the record. 
Nobody knows how to play That's thrown in free. I sing. Nothing in my contract says I've got to sing, but I do it free. I'll tell you what, country, you have to throw 50 cents in the old bass drum, if you will. You get five points on the scoreboard, but first the 50 cents. I appreciate the five points. That's all right. We appreciate the 50 cents. Boom, there it is. That's the sign telling you that Melvin Dell of Seattle, Washington, is the first person to beat the band to receive a full case of kicks and a guaranteed minimum of not less than $20, which may turn out to be much more if we keep that bonus in mind. And now, lads, before we get 2-2 with these questions, I think it would be very, very if we had red music for a change. How about that, Ted? Well, easily managed. What do you think of It's a Wonderful World with Terry Como on the vocal? The highest regards, Ted. By all means, introduce it to the inner circle here, will you? It's a wonderful world, 
Never before has there been a ready-to-eat cereal like Kix in looks, taste, or crispness. It's not flakes. It's not shreds. It's corn magically popped into tiny tantalizing bubbles and then toasted a crisp, delicious golden brown. Never before have you seen a cereal like that. You've never known such delicate, tempting crispness in milk or cream either. Not from any other popular corn cereal made. And you've never known such flavor. Because the delicious new Kix flavor is absolutely unique. And here's something else you like about Kix. It packs a wealth of nourishment, too. Food energy and added food factors. By all means, try Kix real soon. So new is it, so different, so crisply delicious... We think you'll agree it's the most unusually delicious cereal ever invented. Kicks. K-I-X. Kicks. All of which brings us now to our second group of questions. And starting right now, we have a letter from Miss Vera Timko of Bridgeport, Connecticut, who is probably dropping a hinting suggestion for our jam sessions with the question, What does the singing instructor suggest to the glee club in order to get the best harmony possible. It's a current tune. <laughs> what does the singing instructor suggest to the glee club in order to get the best harmony possible? It's a current tune. That one, please, there's an awkward silence going on around here. Be delighted to do a few card tricks for the folks. Gentlemen, now, no, no, Mr. Beelman and Mr. Gibbs having a... Don't get together and talk it over if you don't mind. No fair whispering to it. <laughs> we got the answer, but we don't know how to play it. <laughs> what, what do you mean, we? Only one person plays it. <laughs> Only one person. What's the answer, then, do you think? Huh? Let's all sing together. Let's all sing together, sure. All you've got to do is play it. I can't. You can't? Well, that makes it unanimous, then. So far, you've been wrong six weeks in a row, Pete. That makes it all right. <laughs> what are you worried about? i got to get out of this batting slump. I can see that. <laughs> You're in a terrific rut there. Would you care I to throw 50 cents in the bass drum? <laughs> He's going to try. <laughs> that, that's not it. He just throws the 50 cents in the drum and lets it go ahead. All right, Pete. You could have saved us a lot of time if you just lay down in the corner when the program started and let us go on without you. It would have been much better. But anyhow, that uh, makes uh, Vera Timko of Bridgeport, Connecticut, the second person to receive a full case of kicks. A guaranteed minimum of uh, not less than $20. And, of course, that may turn out to be much more if we keep that bonus in mind. And also, uh, if she's got that full case of kicks, that uh, has 24 big packages. But she mustn't worry about, about them not getting fresh because they're kept fresh by that crisp, assured package. <laughs> Did I do that well, Todd? I didn't? Huh? Well, I just want to tell them about it, that's all. They're all. Now, here comes from good old Culver City, California, as represented now by this question from... It's been nice working with you. This question from Rosamond Witham, which can be answered by a 1931 tune title. Of what tune are you reminded when I mention the name George Washington Carver? What tune are you reminded? All right, Pete Beelman put his hand up in the air there again. What? Maybe you better give it to country. I'm liable to miss it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let it go. If you, if you want to take it, we'll give you no, a chance. I think I know it. Uh, he's that great uh, Negro scientist, isn't he? And, that's know. right. That's right. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, I'm wonderful. <laughs> now, uh, but how could you play it? Well, what's the, what's the answer to the tune, incidentally? Let's see. Uh, a sweet... Uh, no, no, no. Now, Pete, please, now. He works. Huh? <laughs> no pantomime going on here. All right. What do you oh, think? Oh, Peanut Bender. Peanut Bender. How did you know? Oh, 
All right, Pete. All right, let's hear you play the peanut vendor on your horn. If you can, and don't tell me you can't. I tried that once before, you remember? <laughs> Pete Billman redeems himself there, and Mr. Engel, a peanut vendor does not yell, I yell. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, but he, he doesn't uh, yell, I, I yell, I yell, he hollers, I yell. He yells, no, you don't know. He hollers, peanut popcorn, five cents a bag. Oh, no, he don't. Not this kind, peanut vendor. All right, well, that's peanut vendor. It's peanut vendor from your town. We'll let it go at that. But we'd better explain to the folks in case they don't know who George Washington Carver is, although I can imagine that nobody uh, doesn't know that he is uh, a famous uh, a Negro scientist, and he lives in the South, and uh, he has for many years been experimenting with the peanut and made it one of the greatest industrial things they have down there and therefore brought a new, a new industrial and also agricultural future to the Southland. And now... Isn't that Marvin? I did that well, too, didn't I? Now comes the poetry corner, fellas. Alfred Canito of Rochester, New York, writes, If I keep trying to beat the band, no doubt I'll soon be broke. But I'll never go to the poorhouse, because that is no joke. Instead of going over the hill, you'll find me any time walking up and down the street saying... All right, now let's see. Red Angle's bouncing up and down in his seat. We'll let Red take Brother, can you spare a dime? You've had experience, it's I can tell. All right, then I'll tell you, I'll tell you play that, if you will. That'll be enough, Ray. If you want to keep playing, well, somebody can spare one. That, that'll be enough, please. And it gives you ten points up on the scoreboard. Elmo Tanner also had his hand up on that one. And now Dwight Mitchell of Dubuque, Iowa, offers a, qui a quickie on questionable courage. Why did the moon hide behind the clouds in a raging storm? Why did the moon hide behind the clouds in a raging storm? It's a tune from 34. Sort of minor and stuff like that. Doesn't anybody know? No, not to keep out of the rain. Oh, Art Winter, back in the trumpet, trumpet section. Put his hand back there. Stormy weather? Does that explain why the moon doesn't have courage because of stormy weather? That's not it. I don't <laughs> That's what he was hiding from, the clouds, the stormy weather. That's not what I get. No, the answer, I'm afraid, I'm afraid uh, Art, the answer is the moon was yellow. That's why I hid behind a cloud to get out of the storm, sure. Can you play Can you play The Moon is Yellow, if you will? That'll give you five points. Uh, never mind, we won't let you sing it. Five points, all right, but it doesn't stop you from putting another 50 cents in the old bass drum. One more 50 cent piece in there, and you'll own the thing. And Dwight Mitchell of Dubuque, Iowa, also receives a full case of kicks, a guaranteed minimum of not less than $20, which may turn out to be much more if we keep that bonus in mind. And now comes a collection of classy verbiage from Gordon Stover of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which can be answered by a tune from a musical production of 1916. <clears throat> Hope I get through this. If... If an entomologist were to asphyxiate a fine specimen of Lepidoptera and then became, becomes conscience-stricken, what popular song at least ten years old would be his appropriate remark? Well, shall we skip that one and go on to the next one? I don't understand him. Oh, Art Winter's going to redeem himself. He's got his hand up, all right? Poor butterfly. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Wow. <laughs> Up on the 
scoreboard, you have uh, uh, taken away the smear from your escutcheon, and now, I don't know, I had a cousin that answered questions like you fellas do, and when he graduated from college, they gave him a black sheepskin. <laughs> How about two instead there? Hmm? That's a rough suggestion. What would you think of Elmo Tanner whistling fiddle bitty? Well, that's no rough suggestion. That's a smooth selection. So play it, yeah? <laughs> Uh, look, what's that manuscript you've been hanging on to with that gargantuan grip of yours? Yeah. Come on, pal, don't howl that on us. Hmm? Uh, well, uh, Gary, I hate to say it, but I've written a, a masterpiece. Well, that's fine, fine, but out with it. Let's hear about it. Okay, here goes. Now, the time is around 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. The scene, a table in a drugstore. Mm. The character, Sad Sam. All right, Ted, music, light, camera. <clears throat> Waitress, waitress, bring me an order of badly burnt bacon and a cup of lukewarm, muddy coffee. An order of burnt bacon and a cup of muddy coffee? Yes, please, and hurry it up. I'm homesick. <laughs> uh, oh, that's marvelous. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, boy, that's fine, but what's the point? I don't get it. Oh, the point is, Gary, that sometimes breakfasts aren't just right to help us start off the day with plenty of enthusiasm. Well, a lot of folks want for breakfast is something really new and different. Ah, but is there something really new and different for breakfast? As if I didn't know. As if I didn't know. Oh, I'll say there is. It's Kix. K-I-X Kix. The new ready-to-eat corn cereal that for sheer crispness beats any popular flaked corn cereal now made. It's not flakes or shreds, but tiny golden bubbles. 
That'll stay crisp in milk or cream right down to the last delicious spoonful. And just wait till you taste the rich corn flavor of kicks. Kind of like popcorn, you might say. Good to eat, yes, and good for you, too. Because every kicks bubble packs such a wealth of nourishment, food energy, and other food factors. Try kicks tomorrow, won't you? That's spelled K-I-X, kicks. For the past two years, the fastest-growing new cereal in America. Well, thanks, Fort. And before we go into our third and last group of questions, I might back up those few well-chosen words of yours by reading to you a telegram. Telegram that came from one of our band leaders last week. It says she got, uh, got almost as much kick hearing the broadcast and receiving my check today as I do for my daily breakfast of kicks. Thanks a million, and best of luck to you and Kicks. That was darn nice, wasn't it? Ah, that's well. Lots of luck to her, and I hope that somebody in this coming up group will be able to beat the band and thus be able to say the same thing. Clifford Olson of Carlston, Minnesota, writes in to say, Blackmail is a racket that the actors and actresses in Hollywood must constantly guard against. What current tune tells you what these racketeers try to do? Elmo Tanner put his hand up in the air. Uh, uh, first of Shake down the stars. Shake down the stars, sure. Let me hear you whistle it, if you will. His first ten points up on the scoreboard, and I believe by George that uh, who is leading? Now, Art Winner is out a little bit ahead of the crowd there. And now, uh, last year's tune answers the question of R.A. Grinstead of Columbus, Ohio, who writes, A professor explaining to a class in biochemistry enumerates the following, the various chemicals, minerals, and other constituents of the human body. Addressing the class, what might he say these materials are? He's a professor in biochemistry, and he's enumerating the various chemicals that go up to make up the... All right, Parker. All the things you are? Sure, it's all the things you are. (laughs) Good enough. Let me hear you play it on your saxophone, if you will, sir. Huh? Not very good, but it passes. very much, sir. And incidentally, did you know, Parker, that gives you ten points on the scoreboard, incidentally, and did you know that all the chemicals in the human body when melted down and sold commercially only sell for 90 cents? So if things get bad in the band business, you know what you can do. Well, looks like, uh, looks like uh, time's just about up. Hey, time, Gary, yeah, hey, time is right. I've got a score to scrutinize. Oh, gee whiz, gosh, oh golly, oh me. Ford, you scan and I'll scram, huh? Ted, how about you? Oh, I'll just play around here, Gary, and boys will play at the jazz band ball. Here's the group.
Well, here we are. We've used a total of ten questions for which General Mills will pay $100. Three questions beat the band, and to those persons who sent them, General Mills will pay $43.34 each. Plus, of course, a case of kicks. Our grand total paid for questions today, therefore, is $200. And now from the band, we pick Art Winter, who today picks the half dollars from the bottom of the old bass drum. Get them, Art. Pick them up. Now, sir, it remains now only to give out that word of thanks to you band beaters and all of you folks who sent in questions. And I do mean thanks. To the rest of you folks, come on now and get in the game, will you? Join us on Sunday to have fun with us. And remember, we want you to send that question to Kicks, K-I-X, Kicks, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We'll be looking for it, and next week we will greet you from Eastwood Gardens in Detroit. By all means, get in the game, folks. Send your question. It may be just the one to beat the band. Remember, there's $10 for you if we use your question. A guarantee of double money, $20, and a case of kicks if your question beats the band. And that sum may be much greater. Remember the $100 bonus. Now, it's a game, folks, and we want everyone to participate and have fun. There may be many similar questions with identical answers. And, of course, payment will be made only to that person whose question is actually used. All questions become the property of General Mills. Any resident of the United States is eligible to send in a question. So why not send that question today? This is Fort Pearson, speaking for Gary Moore, Ted Weems and the band, and General Mills, inviting you to join us next Sunday. In the meantime, there's a new treat waiting for you when you try Kix, that delicious new ready-to-eat corn cereal that stays crisp in milk or cream. And, of course, you're going to try to beat the band. Another sale for kicks. And another person joins the enthusiastic millions who now daily enjoy a daily breakfast of kicks. If you haven't tried kicks, find out about this new ready-to-eat corn cereal right away. It's corn magically popped into tiny tantalizing golden bubbles and then toasted a delicious crisp golden brown. Look for the bright yellow crisp assured package of kicks on your grocer's shelves tomorrow. And remember, there's only one crisp assured package specially designed to keep your cereal fresh and crisp in all kinds of weather conditions, both before and after the package is open. Yes, it's the exclusive new crisp assured kick package, developed especially for General Mills' delicious new ready-to-eat corn cereal, Kix. K-I-X, Kix. The selection of all the things you are is from the show Very Warm for May. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Jaws Professional Radio Shows Radio Shows Beat the band 40-06-16 Left parent 021 Right parent First song Dash knit 1 Pearl 2 Unloading job Can't OK Enter Radio General Mills Makers of Kicks Invite you to beat the band If you can General Mills, makers of that delicious new ready-to-eat corn cereal that comes in delicious round golden bubbles, brings you another session of that new novel radio game, Beat the Band, featuring Ted Weems and his music, Perry Como, Marvel Maxwell, Elmo Tanner, Arm Down, Country Washburn, and Red Ingle, who join with Gary Moore to bring you this opportunity to beat the band. And believe me, the band beaters today are really going to collect. <laughs> 
And I do mean heavy sugar, yes, sir. Last week, that $100 bonus went to absolutely no one. Hence, it's packed on to today's bonus to swell the band beater's profit to $200. So, folks, listen closely. Here comes that folding money. And now, back to the band you have to beat, Ted Weems and his band. First, a little yarn. Knit one, pearl two, Ted. Soothsayer of soporific symphony, sure to superheat slip horn and sax, that oh, sentient no. satyr of silly swingaroo and subversive oh, song titles, that super saturated sophista screwball, oh, no. Gary Moore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much for. He's the only announcer I ever worked with who just turns his mouth on and goes away and leaves it running. <laughs> Thanks, anyhow, Ford, and I, I do expect the band to blow up today because these questions we have are dynamite. I'm feeling sorry for the band boys, but. I'm quite happy to tell the folks whose questions we will use today that General Mills will pay them each $10. I also want to remind you that if your question beats the band, you are guaranteed double money, $20 plus a case of kicks. However, that sum may be much greater. Remember the bonus of $100 to be equally divided among those who beat the band. You may win much more, as much as $30, $40, $50, even up to $110. So now, why not get in this game? It's grand fun trying to beat the band, and it might pay you cash. Just send your letters to Kicks, K-I-X, Kicks, Minneapolis, Minnesota. You may be a band beater. Well, now into the unrehearsed portion of our program with a $200 bonus for today, because nobody beat the band last Sunday. The boys do not know the questions I will ask, so you'd better listen for the boom of the old bass drum. It tells you when someone's question has beat the band, and here we go. Miss Nell Duffy of Dayton, Ohio, asks, What reply did the Hoosier horse give to the Ohio horse when asked where he was born? A 1934 tune tells you the specific answer. And Red Angle thinks he's got it? A little red barn, a farm down in Indiana. That's right, sir. All right, Red, can you play that on your saxophone? (laughs) Hmm, <laughs> 
That was very good so far as it went, Mr. Engel. I'll only say that much for you and give you ten points up on the scoreboard anyhow. And now comes very pretty poetry sent to us by E.H. Bradley of Washington, D.C. You'll find the answer in a musical show title tune of 1924. And the poem that you have to complete goes like this. Poor Marie, sad is she, didn't see Bumblebee. Sat on he, mercy me, instantly, ta-ta-ta. That the ta-ta-ta isn't what you're supposed to say, but all, all right, I'll tell you what, Joe Hooven's got his hand up, Red hat his up too. What is it? Rosemary. Rosemary. Poor Marie, sad as she, didn't see Bumblebee. Sat on he, mercy me, instantly, Rosemary. Sure. Let's see you play that on your trumpet if you can, huh? I give you your first ten points of the day up on the scoreboard, and so far nobody has managed to even get a look in on that $200 bonus, which is to be split among the band beaters today, if any. And now Mrs. J.C. Fulton of Cheyenne, Wyoming, writes to tell a pathetic little story that you can answer if you know your Swedish dialect and your standard old ballads. Ole Olson's girlfriend, Alice, left him waiting at the altar on his wedding day. How did Ole explain that Alice ditched him? Oh, you really got to go way back with your Swedish accents for that. I'll give it to you again. You got to remember remember your Swedish dialect and your standard ballads. Ole Olson's girlfriend, Alice, left him waiting at the altar on his wedding day. How did Ollie explain that Alice ditched him and Red Engel thinks he knows the answer? Uh, Alice Ben Bolt? Alice <laughs> Ben Bolt, sure. <laughs> Good enough, Red. You're really hot today, son. Let's hear you play that on your saxophone if you That's can. somebody's business else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you need, Red, is maybe a new read on your saxophone. After you get the new read for your saxophone, throw your saxophone away and get a new read and then give it up and play trumpet. And I think you'll do better when you come to answering these questions. Anyhow, it gives you your second ten points of the day. And, boys, if you ask me, your guardianship of that double bonus of $200 we have today is we're going to be pretty shaky. How about music here, Ted? Hmm? Well, can you use a bit of Devil May Care, Gary? Well, with Perry Como singing, that's the one the folks have waited for, Ted. Here goes Looks like I'm falling Call me This time I may be lucky This time beyond the square Here goes It's an adventure Just call me Devil May
this time I may be lucky This time beyond the square Here goes It's an adventure Just call me Devil may care Hey, folks, I hope you've got a thrill waiting for you tomorrow for breakfast. Yes, I hope you'll have a heaping portion of golden Kicks bubbles floating merrily in a dish of rich, creamy milk. You're going to think Kicks is swell, and you'll marvel at the toasted crispness of Kicks, a supreme crispness that lasts in milk or cream right down to the final golden bubble in the bowl. And as for the flavor, say it's so entirely new and different, you can't help but thrill to it every time you taste Kicks. And here's another thing to remember. You won't find Kicks losing its crispness or flavor in hot summer weather the way some cereals do. The famous Kicks Crisp Assured Package with the three separate wax sealed cartons protects Kicks in all kinds of weather and keeps that fresh goodness of Kicks even after the outside package is open. So make your next cereal Kicks, K-I-X, Kicks. For the past two years, the fastest growing cereal in all America. <laughs> And here we go into our second group of questions for this afternoon's session of Beat the Band, and nobody so far has beat the band. I've just been figuring it out here. We asked 15 questions last week, all of which were answered by the boys in the band. We've asked three so far today, all of which have been answered, making a grand total of 18 questions without a miss. That uh, gives us... No, don't applaud, Pete. That's all right. You're getting paid for this now. Uh, let's get into this question. Miss Elsie Sherman of Fort Wayne, Indiana, writes, A prospective father who already had twins, triplets, and quadruplets waited with dire forebodings. When the nurse announced that he had a fine baby boy, what tune title of 1922 was his joyful shout? And I'll tell you that it's a two-word title, and a comma between the two words will help you out with the answer. Now here's a pr prospective father who already had twins, triplets, and quadruplets. When the nurse announced that he had a fine baby boy, what tune title of 1922, it's a two-word title, was his joyful shout? Put a comma between the two words, and you've got it. Uh-huh. Fourteen pans without a glimmer in them. <laughs> Not a glimmer. Sorry, gentlemen, time's up and the ant... All right, Parker Gibbs, did... uh, what would what, you, you say? One alone. One alone would be good. I'm uh, afraid that would be good, but I'm afraid it's not the answer, Parker. However, you, the answer is wonderful. One. Wonderful one. See? you got to put the comment in there. But, Mr. Gibbs... Mr. Gibbs, I know that you will be delighted to know that you have saved the whole band from putting 50 cents in the bass drum, and you are the only one who has to do it. Isn't that fine? <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Good, and it looks like Miss Elsie Sherman of Fort Wayne, Indiana, breaks the charm, becomes the first person in 19 times to beat the band. She receives a full case of kicks, a guaranteed minimum of $20, and maybe $200, because she's the only person so far who's got a, even a look in to that bonus money. At least now, I break records. What's that? <laughs> At least I break records. Yeah, it's something. Anyhow, Ray Goodwin of Donegal, Pennsylvania, writes, the politician was kissing babies. And presumably, Mr. Goodwin doesn't mean babies of 18 years and up, apparently. Coming to a baby with a thoroughly jam-smeared face and knowing that he had to go through with the osculation, what was the politician's wish? It's a new swingaroo tune, one that I know you've all played many times. Here's the politician. He's very busy kissing babies. Somebody hands a baby up to him with a very dirty face. He knows he has to go through with it. Now, what is his wish? 
It's a new swingaroo. Oh, gentlemen, now don't let's make this a habit, huh? But Marvel Maxwell thinks she knows the answer, does she? I don't know. Elmo Tanner pointed his hand over at her, anyhow. I, uh... Well, Gary, I uh, I think I know the title, but I'm not sure about the melody at all. Well, Can I take a chance? Sure, you can take a chance. Uh, which did I but kiss thy hand, old babe? Well, sure, that's <laughs> right. Good oh, I don't know how it sleep. goes. Oh, now, Marvel, you must know that. It's sort of, sort of acid indigestion in two forms. <laughs> Which did I but kiss thy hand, old babe? That's the way I've always heard again, it. Again, <laughs> please, I'm sorry. I was talking over top of you. You're terribly rude of me. Uh, will you try it again? Well, I don't know the melody, but I've heard Will Osborne, um... Yeah, well, we'll get a record of his sometime, and I'll come to my house and have tea and cook sorry. it. Right now, you've got to sing it, or else you throw 50 cents in the old bass drum, Marvel. Would you oh, care to do that instead? What did I but kiss thy hand, old babe? <laughs> monotone if ever I heard it. Then, Marble, tell you what you better do. You better throw 50 cents in the old bass drum. You get five points for getting the correct answer to the title. There goes your 50. Good enough. And Ray Goodwin of Donegal, Pennsylvania, becomes the second person to beat the band, receive a full case of kicks, a guaranteed minimum of $20, and so far he is to get 100 Let's hope for his sake that it isn't whittled down and for the sake of others that it is. Now more poetry from uh, Clarice M. Peterson of Oakland, California. Listen and think of the tunes from about 1935. She isn't in white, nor is she in blue. It may not be right, but they say she's not true. Who is the lady and how is she dressed? I know the answer, now you take a guess. Now that one should be very simple. Everybody put their hand up. Let's see, let's say get uh, Art Winner back here in the trumpet section. All right, what have you got to say? Lady in red? The lady in red, yes, sir. Good enough. Let's hear you um, do that, will you? That was Art Winner and his cohorts playing the lady in red, accompanied by Pete Bielman with half a chorus of bumps. And Art, that gives you ten points up on the scoreboard. And while I was talking about being in the red, uh, as a result of last week's broadcast, we received many letters because I pronounced the word diagon diogenes as diagonies. I'm awful sorry I did that. It was a, a, an unconscious error. I must have been thinking about a cousin of mine by the name of Diogenes Group. He was, he was different than Diogenes, uh, Diogenes, who searched for the people with a lantern. He used to play in Porterville with Lamont's cockatoos, and he used to go out and look for the audience with a can of Sterno during their performance. It's a natural mistake there, and I'm frightfully sorry that I made it. Now let's get around here to Robert Lowett of Newark, New Jersey, who writes, A pupil in astronomy, while studying the stars, noticed that... Here, boys... A pupil of astronomy, while studying the stars, noticed that the big bear seemed to be approaching the moon. And when he asked the reason why, what facetious reply did his professor make? It's a 1938 tune. But you can't have one. So, oh, Parker Gibbs thinks he's got the answer over here. All right, Parker. Parker. Hey, he puts his hand up so violently, he split the arm out of 12 coats and hasn't gotten the right answer yet. Parker, well, uh, I'll ask you the question again because it's been so long ago, we've probably forgotten it. The astronomy, a pupil in astronomy, noticed uh, that the big bear seemed to be approaching the moon. When he asked the reason why, what facetious reply did his professor make? Uh, there's honey on the moon tonight. Sure, that wasn't hard, was it? Now let's hear you play that on your saxophone, if you will. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough, Parker? 
surprised even me and even you, I'm sure, and giving you ten points up on the scoreboard. And now hurrying along from Evansville, Indiana, and penned by Esther Heckerman comes this bit. A desert maiden, after reading her sweetheart's love letters, destroys them quite easily. She couldn't take them with her anyhow because they are... What? Now, this tune came out in 1931, and I think Pete Beelman put his hand up in the air. No yeah, problem. I know the answer. Uh, love letters in the sand. Because there are love letters in the right. sand. So, yeah, sir. Now, can you play that on your uh, trombone? No, no, I can't play it. Well, Mr. Beelman, lots of other people had their hands up. Why didn't you keep yours down on the off chance? I didn't see him. I'm sorry. I didn't see him. If I'd known it, I wouldn't have answered. Oh, well, that's all right. Yeah, don't, don't feel badly about it. I know, I can't think of it. You can't think of love letters in the sand? All right. I'm sorry, sir. It looks like you have to go and have to throw. Who can play love letters in the sand? Who here can play it? Anybody? Nobody. All right, throw 50 cents on the old bass drum. We'll hold auditions from the audience immediately after the program. See if we can't get somebody who knows these things. Meanwhile, it looks like there... Who was that? From Evansville, Indiana, Esther Heckman becomes the third person to receive a full case of kicks, a guaranteed minimum of $20, which may turn out to be much more if we keep that double $200 bonus in mind. And now, folks, that $200 cumulative bonus we have for today has really thrown these boys higher than the kite. You think they have to pay it themselves. Boys, you may look, uh, lay down the bothered looks and pick up the horns. We have music to play, or, or aren't the boys up to it, Ted? Oh, uh, show must go on, Gary. The old tradition, you know. So, boys, let's try I Can't Love You Anymore, sung by Marvel Maxwell. Sounds like the one we decided on. Thirty thousand nine hundred and sixty. Yep, that's it. Approximately thirty thousand nine hundred and sixty words. Uh, say, four if that commercial's that long, you start now. We'll join you the same time next week. Huh? Oh no, Gary, the commercial isn't that long. I'm just counting the approximate number of words in the dictionary. Oh, you certainly had a scare there for a minute. We thought you were going to cut loose and use them all to describe kicks. Not at all, son. Not at all. You see, I don't need them. In fact, I don't need a one of them. All the words in the dictionary couldn't tell the folks half as much about kicks as the first spoonful they try themselves. Oh, I'll admit, I could mention the delightful corn flavor of kicks, or I could tell them about our actual tests, which prove that kicks stay as crisper in milk or cream than any ordinary flat flake cereal on the market. And I might even toss in a phrase or two about the nutritional value of kicks, because the food energy and added food factors 
You'll find in Kicks certainly offer another good reason why Kicks deserves its amazing coast-to-coast fame. Oh, but as I say, I'd have to use some of those 30,960 words in the dictionary. Shucks, I don't need one of them. Oh, but surely, Mr. Pearson, you had something to say about Kicks. Oh, not a <laughs> syllable, my boy. Not a syllable. You see, it's just like I said, Gary. The folks who try Kicks tomorrow morning will get what I mean right from the first delicious spoonful. All I say is, try Kicks once. And you'll agree that plain words can't express how really swell Kicks is. And with three people having so far managed to beat the band today, we come into our third group of questions. And, uh, gentlemen, I hope that you're a lot more on your toes next week when we play the Meadowbrook Country Club in St. Louis, from which spot we will be broadcasting these Beat the Band shows for the next two weeks. Parentheses, advertisement, unparentheses. And now into the question. Mrs. Philip Miller of Albany, California, tells us that Daddy came home to find his small son crawling around the floor, making vociferous choo-choos and sundry other train noises. And when Daddy asked what went on, the small son identified his pastime by saying, What? It's one of 1928's novelty tunes. Red Angle, goodness sakes. I'm a ding-dong daddy. I'm a ding-dong daddy. <laughs> what, are you really hot today? Let, let's hear you play that if you can. enough, gentlemen. Thanks very much, Red. That gives you your third ten points up on the scoreboard for today. We have to hurry along now. Miss Rose Shuck of Elwood, Indiana asks, what did the author of a book say to himself as he began the last chapter? It's a current tune. Comes from the picture Johnny Apollo. What did the author of a book say to himself as he began the last chapter? It's a current tune. What's this, Pete? Huh? I just thought of the melody of Love Letters of the Sand. Never mind! It's too late! No wonder we can't get anywhere. I'm, I'm sorry, Pete. The an- that won't do for the answer to this one. The answer is this is the beginning of the end. From Johnny Apollo. It looks like the whole band has got to throw 50 cents in the old bass drum. And Miss Rose Shuck of Elmwood, Indiana, becomes the fourth person to receive a full case of kicks. A guaranteed minimum of $20, which may turn out to be much more. In fact, it will, keeping that bonus in mind. Enough time, Gary. Huh? Pardon me, but uh, may I borrow your microphone? Oh, why, sure, Ford, if you don't mind the spatter of eggs on it. We bounce <laughs> off a few now and then. Ten, music. Hey, here it is, under the tuneful title, Turkey in the Straw. That is the way I heard it. Give, boys. <laughs>
hear those scores again. Only today, they aren't just scores. They're figures that add up to double important money, if you follow me. We've used a total of ten questions for which General Mills will pay $10 each or $100. Now, here's the big news. Four people beat the band, and while they would usually receive $25 each plus $10 for that question, they'll actually double that and receive $50 plus $10 for the question or a total of $60 each. And that's because nobody beat the band last Sunday and left us with an extra $100 to add to our bonus today. Well, with all this heavy sugar flying around, I don't know whether we ought to mention those half dollars in the drum or not. But anyhow, Red Engel gets them if there are any. Red, take them up. Thanks a million, folks, for taking time out to have fun with us this afternoon. A hearty thanks and congratulations to all of you who furnished the questions for our show today. Now, I'd like to see every one of you have a try at feeding this band of Ted Weems, so why not, right now, jot down that question you thought up and send it to Kicks, K-I-X, Kicks, Minneapolis, Minnesota. It might be just the one to beat the band. <laughs> Why not play Beat the Band with us? It's a game, folks, and we want everyone to participate and have fun. There may be many similar questions with identical answers, and of course, payment will be made only to that person whose question is actually used. All questions become the property of General Mills, and any resident of the United States is eligible to send in a question. Why not send in a question today? It may mean thanks to you. $10 if we use your question, more, possibly much more, if your question beats the band. Get in the game. You may be the one to receive $10, $30, or possibly even $110. This is Fort Pearson speaking for Gary Moore, Ted Weems and the Boys, and General Mills, inviting you to join us next Sunday when we'll be broadcasting from St. Louis, Missouri. In the meantime, get acquainted with that delicious new ready-to-eat cereal cake. Ah, uh, believe me, those round golden bubbles are something new in Breakfast Grill. And, of course, you're going to try to beat the band. Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen, for a special announcement. Some summer days will be hot and sweltry, others damp and cool. And you know what that kind of weather can do to breakfast foods? Robs them of their freshness and crispness. But here's news. There's now a new cereal package specially designed to keep your cereal fresh and crisp in all kinds of weather conditions, both before and after opening up the outside package. It's the only exclusive new crisp-assured kick package developed especially for General Mills' delicious new ready-to-eat corn cereal, Kicks. This sensational new package contains three separate wax seal cartons. And boy, what a marvelous job it does of keeping the tiny Kicks bubbles fresh. Anytime you open up these three separate cartons, you'll find the golden Kicks bubbles as crisp and delicious as they could possibly be. Be sure to order your supply of delicious Kicks in the crisp-assured package at your grocer's tomorrow. This is the National Broadcasting Company. NBC's war reporter somewhere in France reported that Premier Reynaud has resigned. A new French government has been formed. New Premier is Marshal Petain, savior of Verdun, with General Vagon as Minister of Defense. That's all from now from the NBC newsroom in New York.
Jaws Professional Radio Shows Radio Shows Explorer Pane for Alt F4 Alt Tab Documents Items View Alt F4 Yes Button Alt Tab Alt Tab Jaws Update Alt Tab 1 Beat the Band Jaws Updates Available Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.1 